Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is a companion video. What are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campia Show, Monday through Friday, we take the second half of the show to take your live questions. However, we usually don't have enough time to get through all the live questions that get sent in. But if you sent in those questions and supported the channel, I want to make sure you don't wait too long to get those questions answered. So we gather them up and we address them here on companion videos. And of course, joining me here for this companion video is Kimberly Curran. Kimberly, how are you doing? I'm doing awesome. I'm doing awesome. How are you? I am great. I had a wonderful weekend. We had a good show yesterday and now we're ready to go again today. So let's not waste any time and get right into it. What is our first question today? All righty. This is coming from Jonathan. Hey, John, in the anticipation for the Snyder Cut, I want to talk about movie length. Personally, I love good epic movies that are two and a half hours or more like Dark Knight Rises, Interstellar, Dawn of Justice, Ultimate Cut, Endgame, Infinity War, etc. If a movie of that length is that good, I never want it to end. Let me ask you, John, let's say there's two movies, both are more or less equal quality. Let's say movie A is 90 to 100 minutes and movie B is 2.5 to 3 hours long. Which would you give, which would you go for given that both are great movies and why? Well, I mean, it's kind of a misnomer question, right? Because there's often been a debate, do you like longer movie or, sh or shorter movies? The reality is this, every movie and story is, is different and would be served better with a different runtime. There are some more, I, I watched a movie recently that was like 87 minutes long. So just under an hour and a half, but it was bang perfect. I mean, it was great. The pacing was awesome. Uh, it moved through the, through the story at a great progression. It hit some great notes. It just, the pacing was perfect for an 87 minute movie. Even though when I saw 87 minutes, it's like, that's kind of short. But then when you watch the story, you realize this was the perfect length and I loved the movie. If that same movie had been two and a half hours long, I doubt I would have enjoyed it much. The pacing would have been off because this particular story was not better suited for a longer movie. At the same time, you can get a movie that is much better suited for a two and a half hour runtime. If you try to slam it into like a hundred minute movie, then all of a sudden it feels incredibly rushed, rushed. it'll feel disjointed and you'll lose your enjoyment for it. So the basic idea is... It, it doesn't matter. I really don't care. If I watch a great movie that's 90 minutes long versus a great movie that's two and a half hours long, I, I really don't care. I honestly don't care. All I end up caring about is what is my final experience? What did I get out of this movie? And, you know, I don't always want to sit for two and a half hours. Uh, sometimes I feel like relaxing for a good two and a half hours. So it really all depends on the day and all depends on the story. Now I know that you, I know that sounds like I'm copying out of the answer, but it's really true. If I'm in the mood for a good, you know, hour and a half movie, then give me a great hour and a half movie. If I'm in the mood for like, you know, settling in for the evening, getting a pizza and, and a big, you know, bottle of Coke or whatever, and I'm ready to go, then let's do a two and a half hour one. But as long as the individual movie finds the right length for itself that gives it its proper pacing and its proper cadence, then I'm all on board. Then after that, whether it's shorter or longer, I really don't mind. I, I really don't care. All right. What's next? 
Man of Tomorrow says, WandaVision review. Great acting overall. Love the Scarlet Witch costume. Hayward was extremely lacking as an antagonist. The Quicksilver reveal was Mandarin level lame. IMO. <laughs> Sad the actor's comments on the aerospace engineer or the cameo went nowhere. Well, I mean, again, the cameo was something that we have nobody to blame but ourselves. Remember, everybody still acts like Elizabeth Olsen came out and said, hear ye, hear ye, I have something to tell you about WandaVision. There is a Luke Skywalker level cameo. In this. That's not what happened. Uh, an interviewer sat down with her and said to her, hey, um, you know, another Disney Plus show, Mandalorian, just had this big Luke Skywalker reveal. Can we expect reveal something like that in WandaVision? And Elizabeth Olsen may have been thinking, hey, the... Evan Peters reveal is like that or the white vision thing is like that. And all she said was, yes, that was literally everything she said. She said, yes. And it was me and you that took that and ran with it. As far as Hayward being a mid-level antagonist, I, I agree, but he wasn't, he wasn't the antagonist of the story anyway. So really the antagonist, as it turns out, was primarily really Agatha, but even on a more meta level, it was Wanda herself. So yeah, but that's fine. He was never meant to be the folk. He wasn't even like, he wasn't prominently featured in any of the episodes really. Well, one or two he was, but other than that, not really prominently. So and the, the Evan Peters Quicksilver part to me, it was the most genius casting of all time. It was the ultimate misdirect. It was genius casting. And unlike, see, everybody has been comparing this thing to the Mandarin, yeah. the major difference, of course, between this and the Mandarin situation was they actually advertised that Ben Kingsley as Mandarin with trailers with him as the Mandarin and all that kind of stuff. Like they really went yeah. all out promoting that with this. They never advertised that surprises. He showed up turn. in the middle of a completely confusing situation mm -hmm. inside the hex. And she's like, she didn't recognize him. He said, I'm your big bro, sis, or I'm your bro, sis, and blah, blah, blah. And then we quickly found out that he wasn't what he was yep. representing to be. So I wouldn't compare the two things, but yeah, but, but I get it. I get it. I get, Not it. I get the everybody. frustration. Yep. All right. What's next? Mike, why is it Mike? Why or Mikey? Hmm, Mikey, why <laughs> did Feige come up with the Evan Peters casting before the Fox merger was ever a thing? If so, that means he was totally screwing with Fox. Ha. Huh. I'll take your Quicksilver and turn him into an, an irrelevant Ralph Boner. And he's still be more. He'll still be more, talked, still about. Be more <laughs> talked about. Well, look, here's the thing. That's funny. Kevin Feige and Marvel had planned. I mean, they had already planned WandaVision. Uh, before the Fox merger. I mean, he already said when the Fox merger happened, he said, I have a, I have the next five years planned out. But I'm sure he hadn't cast all of WandaVision yet. I'm sure that hadn't happened. And I'm sure that the Evan Peters thing came up later as a stroke of genius, since they needed someone in there to be this Fietro anyway. Stroke of genius, yeah, but I'm pretty sure, Mikey, uh, that that was probably something that happened much later after the Fox merger happened. All right, what's next? McDavid deserves better, says, just wanted to take this opportunity to memorialize one of the greatest Canadians ever. Rest in peace, Walter Gretzky. Yeah. My deepest condolences to the Gretzky family and the hockey world. He was a shining example of humility and a father to us all. Uh, Walter Gretzky, of course, is the father of the maybe the greatest professional athlete in the history of the planet, Wayne Gretzky. No, no athlete ever dominated their sport like Wayne Gretzky so completely and clearly dominated his. I remember ESPN did this amazing statistical comparison 
where they took like Michael Jordan and, mm -hmm. and different people and showed like how much ahead was like, say, Michael Jordan from the rest of his era of of basketball players, percentage-wise okay. in points, scored, assists, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And there was there was a good gap between Michael Jordan and everybody else he was playing against. Mm -hmm. When you look at Wayne Gretzky, the gap was like this. Oh, like, wow. The gap was like, Wayne Gretzky was so far ahead of everybody, it was comical. Like, wow. and that's why a lot of people will say that Wayne Gretzky was probably the greatest professional athlete, maybe to dominate their sport of all time. He was, he literally oh, holds every record there is in hockey, oh, goals, wow. assists, points, power play goals, like everything there was to be. Um, the only record he doesn't have is most points in a game, which was done by Toronto Maple Leaf, Daryl Sittler, who scored 10 points in one game. That'll never happen again in the history of hockey. Uh, but yeah, Walter Gretzky, the story of the Gretzkys is amazing. Growing up in this little town, Brantford, Ontario, which is just like literally a, a short stone's throw away from where I was in Hamilton. I used to go into Brantford all the time. And Walter Gretzky, you know, in the winter... He would take the shovels, clear out an area, bring out the hose, make an ice rink in the backyard wow. so his little Wayne could go out in the backyard and play play hockey. And Wayne also had brothers that, that played hockey as well. And um, Walter Gretzky was just a, a great ambassador for the sport. And, wow. uh, yeah, he sired maybe the greatest – this, this uh, um, man of nondescript wow. in, in Brantford, Ontario – he sired and raised possibly the greatest professional athlete of all time. And, and he just recently passed mm -hmm. away. And anyway, McDavid, uh, of course, loss. McDavid is an Edmonton Oiler. Wayne Gretzky became, is, is most known as being an Edmonton Oiler. So yeah, it was a deep, deep loss. All right. Mm, what's sorry next? Sorry to hear that. MD says over under 10%, we see a shot of the lost beekeeper <laughs> from WandaVision during a multiverse sequence in Doctor Strange 2. I just feel like there's significance to that little rewind time jump thing she did when he disappeared that we maybe discover later. Absolute 0%. They'll never come back to that again. <laughs> but I really wanted to know what happened to the guy. We never saw him amongst the townspeople. And if Wanda straight up murdered his ass, that's a commentary a and it alters the perception of Wanda. Yeah. So they never said what happened, but you know what? I think they've now moved past it and we're never going to hear about it again, MD. So I'm going to go with the big 0%. All right. What's next? Jesse C says, finish season one of Banshee on HBO Max. Thanks for the recommendations from this show. Wow. What a good, what a great and crazy show. Homelander kills it as the lead. His character reminds me of Timothy Oliphant from Justified. Also, I can see why they called it Skin-A-Max. Skin-A-Max, yeah. And Robert Meyer Burnett did some directing on Skin-A-Max, as a matter of fact. You know what? This is a great example. Of this. I have not watched Banshee myself, but this is why it's so great when people write in to recommend movies and shows. It's because I'm not the only one getting the recommendation. Tens of thousands of other people watching the videos are also getting those recommendations. And now we've got fans who are getting these recommendations from other fans and they're going to check it out and try it out. And I think that's great. So thanks for writing that in, Jesse. I appreciate that. All right. What's next? Suthia says, guys, I ain't never seen so many grown men get so excited and quite frankly horny over seeing Wanda Maximoff acquire <laughs> her Scarlet Witch suit. LOL. So much geeking out I've seen from episode reactions and reviews. Seeing others geek out made me geek out. Uh, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's sexy. And you know what's, you know what's great? A lot of times like in the comic, the, the Wanda Maximoff costume in the comics is basically a low rent stripper costume. I, I mean, oh. it's it's <laughs> really is. So 
You knew they were never going to do that. I love looking up costumes of um, like uh, over the years. That's like oh, how they that's evolved. like one of my little favorite hobbies is to look look at like an evolution of costumes. And I, I always love the excuse, like even as a kid, to be like, so how come like all the men superheroes are like fully or armor? I have blah, a tie. Blah. But every time there's a female <laughs> superheroine, it's like as Ooh. much skin as possible. And yeah. the same excuse was always given because it distracts their enemies. It's like, oh, come on. Not that I had a pro- Don't get me wrong. I'm I have, sure it does. I I'm appreciate sure it, does. it as a young man. I appreciated <laughs> this guy. But, but you knew they weren't going to bring that Wanda Maximoff costume over. You just knew they wouldn't. They couldn't. They shouldn't. But that iteration of the comic, when she revealed uh-huh. and the, the majesty of the full garb, it was a great adaptation of it. I tell you what, I loved the costume. I thought it was great. I, what were your first reactions? when you My saw first reaction was um, because before coronavirus, I was one of my bucket list goals in life was to be the Scarlet Witch was to go to Comic-Con right. and to wait a minute. You've never been to I've Comic-Con? I've never been to Comic-Con. Next, next live I've Comic-Con. I've never been I to Comic-Con. I always really? take my teams with me. I always take my teams to Comic-Con. You got to come if you, especially if you've never been. <laughs> I totally, oh my God. Totally. Oh my, anyway, oh my gosh. Please continue. Yes. I've always wanted to do cosplay and I can't sew for beans, but I know people get, but I can get creative with some hot glue. And then as soon as I saw that, I was like, could I possibly make that if I got someone to sew and help me? Like, I was like, that's a cool cosplay. Cause I have like this little list of what I want to like dress up as. And that was like, oh, that's now number one. Like, well, you know what? My wife does a lot of cosplay. So really? I'm, oh, she's got her she own Instagram me? account for cosplaying and everything. I'm sure she would love to give you some tips. Oh and my show gosh! How to get some I need the help. Put together. I need the help. By but the I way, was like, I want to wear this. Let me. Let me I got to make sure. Hold on a second. Uh, Instagram and cosplay. Let me see if I got this right. Yes. Yeah, so for for those of you guys who want to know. Uh, so my, I'm going to bring this up on the screen. You won't be able to see it from there. Unfortunately, I'll bring it up here on the screen. That's uh, okay. I'm my wife, write it down. Anne, has a Instagram account just called Ann cosplays where oh she gosh. does all of her, uh, various things. And she thinks she made almost all of her costumes wow. as well. So you should check those out when you get the chance anyway. So there she is as uh, green arrow as Jubilee, uh, as Ray Skywalker, as a, as a mortal combats, poison Ivy. Oh, I can't remember the name of the villain, uh, that the inquisitor cool. from, uh, lost, uh, what's it called? Jedi fallen order. I think that was what she has heard that. And then some Maleficent and things like that. So you guys should go check out, subscribe to her channel and cosplays, but yeah, you should talk to her about that. I, I need to talk to her about that. But as soon as I saw that, I was like, I need that. I need that in my closet. All right. What's next? MD says when vision restored white visions, backup data memories, he must have taken some of that info too, because when he is saying bye to Wanda, he talks about his past life as Jarvis, a voice, which he didn't remember before. I thought this was a nice detail. You know, I'll tell you what MD, that is a detail wow. that totally went over my head. And I didn't I catch that. You're right. When he probably reactivated, um spectrum visions the memories in the body yeah he probably accessed them himself that is a Mm. i never even thought of that didn't think about that That is a terrific observation well done md well done all right what's next md says i ended up paying for riot and the last dragon because i saw that it won't be going on the inclusive part of disney plus until june 4th and well the kids were not willing to wait three months so i gave in we all loved it, though 
so worth it to see them smile. Yeah, listen, it, Ryan the Last Dragon was really good. Now, I I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it. We talked about it. Then Rob asked me on the show, is it worth paying $30? And like very, I, I don't think a lot of movies are worth paying 30 bucks just to sit on your ass in your house. Like getting out, going, making an event on it, seeing it on a true movie theater screen, blah, all that kind of stuff, maybe. But for sitting at home watching it, I don't know. I, I So my recommendation was people just wait till it comes out on regular Disney Plus or, or go see it in a movie theater. But I, for a lot of people, it is worth it. And if you and your kidlets were able to sit down and watch it and enjoy it, that's great. It really is quite a good little movie. I enjoyed it quite a lot. So I'm glad your family did too, man. All right, what's next? MD says, also... Please imprint this acronym in your mind. <laughs> F-A-T-W-S, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, because you're probably going to see it every day yeah. for the next two months. Still can't believe we've gone from basically nothing to barely watching, to barely catching breath between shows. I mean, this the we were just talking earlier today on the John Campus show that there are 10 Marvel IPs coming out in 2021. Wow. 10. That's a lot. Four movies, six Disney Plus shows, including WandaVision. That we, so we still have nine to come. We still have nine coming Does, this year. Is that including the Nick Fury no. show? Or is that, no, dang. that's not coming until later. So we've got, we've got uh, Hawkeye dang, and Miss Marvel for 2021. Oh, that's Loki, right. that's Falcon, right. Winter Soldier, What If. Loki, yeah. And there's one other, oh, uh, uh, WandaVision. So that's six. And then we've got... Um, We've got Doctor Strange 2, Black Widow, Spider-Man, and Shang-Chi in the movies thing. So all of it coming in 2021. So yes, Falcon and Winter Soldier, which is going to be a week-to-week-to-week release just like WandaVision was. Yes, I usually ask people to not write in acronyms, but we will allow it <laughs> for F-A-T-W-S. We will allow it for F-A-T-W-S. I'm going to put it in my brain right now. Going to have to work. Yeah, because that's going to come in a lot. You're absolutely right, MD. All right, what's next? The Wakandan Forever says, John, what are you doing? Flying drones in Wakandan airspace? We got rules against that sort of thing out here. Better not be taking pictures. LOL, my favorite air scene is 1985 Batman, Bat Jet to the Moon scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite fictional aircraft? Scene? Oh, well, I'm not, by the way, what Wakandan's talking about, I put up on my YouTube channel. I got a drone. I saw my, that. My that looked cool. Did a little test flight on the outside. <laughs> looks so good. You know I'm going to use the hell out of that for trying no to get it into the hex. You're a couple weeks late. Yes, that's right. Um, my favorite aircraft scene. I mean, I, it probably have to be Top Gun, the original yeah. Top Gun, because I mean they they just the way they shot and everything too. Uh, that Batman scene was great. Um, I'm sure if I thought about it more, I would come up with a different answer. But I don't have a lot of thought to put into it right now. So I'm going to say for now, Wakanda Forever, I'm going to go with Top Gun. All right, what's next? Michael H. Jones says, this is one of two, WandaVision was always scheduled to release in late 2020 or early 2021. Doctor Strange 2 was originally scheduled for May of 2021 and Spider-Man 3 for July of 2021. Spider-Man 3 is now scheduled ahead of Doctor Strange 2 and still in 2021. Hold yeah. on, let me find your second part there, bud. Um, do you think Sony could be leaning on Disney to get Spider-Man 3 out in 2021? because after this second film contract is over, they plan on taking him back for their own Spideyverse and want him back as soon as possible. Well, you, you also, you have to remember this. As the distributor, Sony decides when the movie's coming out. 
I mean, that's that's the thing. Like everybody keeps forgetting, and I know I do oh. too, that although Spider-Man is in the MCU, and while Marvel is producing the film, oh. Sony is the distributor of the film. The distributor decides when the movie's coming out, and the distributor decides how many copies to put out into theaters and when it goes to streaming, where it goes on streaming. That's all Sony's decision. So whatever transfer now, I'm sure, of course, they spoke and worked it out with Kevin Feige about how this relates to certain mm. things and where they'd like it to have it come out. And I'm sure they came to an understood and they I'm sure they totally agreed. They've been working very, very well together. Um, whether or not after this current deal is done between Marvel and Disney or between Disney and, and Sony about having Spider-Man continue on in the MCU or about shifting him out of the MCU so he goes right back to Sony permanently for Sony to produce, which, by the way, after seeing Venom and after seeing Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, um, I am very enthusiastic about Sony making those films again because, you know, the the Amazing Spider-Man 3 is a distant memory now and a lot of the people in charge of that are no longer there. But, uh, but we'll see. But again, at the end of the day, all those decisions belong to Sony. All right, what's next? All right, this is coming from Fotfum. Marvel theorists of the last decade. It looks like a duck. It quacks like a duck. It must be zebras. Marvel. <laughs> Sorry, we're making ducks over here. Damn fine ducks. But yeah, ducks. Yeah, that's that's the thing that, I mean, this was a constant refrain for the last two months. It was, guys, don't forget, Kevin Feige said, I've got the next five years planned. And then I'll worry about introducing mutants and Fantastic Four and all that kind of stuff. And we're still in the midst of those five years. But nobody believes him. Every single new Marvel thing comes out. This is the one where they're going to bring in X-Men. This is the one they're going to bring in mutants. Now that, And every single time they don't. So helpful. And then I'm still just, I'm, I'm still sure that even though Falcon and Winter Soldier has nothing that remotely looks like it, I am sure there are people out there who believe that the X-Men are going to be introduced in Falcon and Winter Soldier. And then if not that, they will in Black Widow. And then if they don't in that, they're going to be people saying they're coming but in. But did he mean movie. that it's the, the, the movie is going to be five years or any remnant of them will be in five years. What Cause what if you was, see a new Wolverine walking by and gives a look and, and then you don't see him again. Like, is it, is it any introduction? I don't think so. I mean, I think, Give me some look, <laughs> he is human, but he basically said, look, I've got the next five years planned. I'm not changing yeah. my plans. Once I'm done my plan, then we will introduce all these other things and they will come. Now, of course, Kevin Feige is human and we as human beings we change our minds and he may change his mind. But so far, I mean, I keep going back. People kept saying, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He's going to do it right now. It's like, okay. And then they don't. And then they get mad that he didn't do it. It's like he told us three years ago that he's got a five-year plan first. But yeah, I do like this thing. Looks like a duck, quacks like a duck. It must be a zebra. I think that was very well That's said. Really, Fong. Very well yeah. said. All right. What's next? All right, this is coming from Ryan Lawner. I'm very glad Wanda wasn't rewarded by getting to keep her family. After all, if there's one thing the Marvel movies have taught us, it's that you can't buy love. You can just rent it for three minutes. Ah, the great Stanley. You can't buy love, but you can rent it for 20 or however much a minute. I just loved him in uh, in Deadpool as the strip club DJ. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was that was a really good thing. Like some people say, man, Wanda had no consequences for actions. Whoa, 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 time out. Remember, at the end of the day, she suffered loss again. She lost her kids. She lost her, her version of vision again. And she ends up having to be on the run and in hiding in some cottage in the middle of the mountains somewhere, which is exactly where she wants to be. But still, this is the situation she finds herself in. So there, there were consequences, and I'm glad they included those. All right, what's next? 
Anton says, hi, John and Rob. I was a first time tipper regarding the theories of Dottie being Agatha's mom, though they may have been tiny ruins on those damn plants of hers (laughs) and Salem being Westview. I was hella wrong about that. Oh, well, it didn't make me enjoy the finale any less. I absolutely loved it. Which fight did you enjoy more? I'm torn. Wanda v. Ag- Wanda versus Agatha was epic, and Hex Vision versus White Vision was hell of a face-off. A phase-off, if you will. Hmm. First a fight with their fists, then their words. I think I'm drifting more toward the flight of visions being watched. Been, <laughs> been watching since the casting announcement of Robert Pattinson as the new Batman. So fair while now. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Anton. I appreciate that. And listen, because of exactly the thing you just pointed out, I thought the, the the battle between Agatha and Scarlet Witch as witches flying through the air doing their thing, I thought it was great. But the vision thing going from pure, visceral, physical action to then that of mental action. And they started to wax philosophical uh, about uh, the, was uh, I can't remember the name of the ship, the uh, the theacles or something i can't remember the name of it but uh that took it to a whole nother level for me so i very much appreciated the agatha and wanda fight very very much we knew we were going to get a lot of action in the final episode and we did but it that vision one was special that vision one to me was special because it was like combining the fight of um uh, inigo montoya fighting the uh, the man in black and the man in black having the mental th- uh, face off with Vincini over the Australian poisons. It was those two things put into one. It was the mental. It was the physical. It was grand. So I'm going to go with that one. All right. What's next? The Wakandan forever says sometimes the place you're used to is not where you belong. Queen of Cotway. Love Queen of Cotway. After Black Panther, my second favorite film of all time. Every watch at least one. Everyone watch at least once. Life changing film. Losses happen to all of us. What matters is you reset the pieces and play again. For those of you who've not seen Queen of Cotway, it was. I remember I was at the premiere of Queen of Cotway. And I remember when I came out, I just had, it was the same kind of feeling I had coming out of the help. It's like every once in a while you see a movie that reminds you about why movies are so special. And, and like Black Panther, the immortal Lupita Nyong'o, I like to refer to as the future ex-Mrs. Campia, <laughs> Lupita Nyong'o and uh, just a dominant, wonderful performance. She wasn't even the main character. It's basically, for those of you who haven't watched and Daniel Oelua is in it too, um, or David Oelua. So it's basically, it's based on a true story about this young African uh, prodigy, chess prodigy, and her journey. And it is, and the movie has no bad guys. There's no villains. It's just a story. Here's how I like to describe it. It's just a story about mm-hmm. good people doing good things. Oh, I need to see this. And it, oh, you've never seen it. I've oh, not seen it. It is, it's inspiring. It, it just makes your heart smile. And um, I mean, also it's, there's the, the antagonist of the movie is really environment. Environment is the antagonist oh. of the film, but oh, wow. it is just, again, it's a movie about good people doing good things. And I just, once in a while, movies like that, aren't just palate cleansers. Again, like I said, they just make your heart smile. And I highly, highly, That's my highly kind of movie. recommend Queen of Cotway. It is fantastic. All right, what's next? Michael Bradley says, hello, John. 
just watched Raya and the Last Dragon on IMAX. Nice. And it was very good. I know it's animation versus live action, but Raya has everything I hope Mulan would have been. Um, yeah, again, I wasn't I wasn't terribly impressed with Mulan. I mean, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Mulan. Raya and the Last Dragon is the better movie. Uh, Raya Raya is the better movie, and the way it was, I, I want to say the way it was shot. It's so weird talking about choreography and cinematography when it comes to animation, but to put it in those terms. It is beautifully shot and the choreography is beautiful and it's it's just a gorgeous piece of art. It's really, really well done. And I tell you what, I don't go out of my way to watch a lot of films on IMAX, even in non, non-COVID thing. I'm more of an AMC Prime Theater guy, but uh, that it would be a good one to see on IMAX screen. So good on you, Michael. All right, what's next? The Wakandan Forever says, John, what happens when you cross Black Panther with Lion King? Coming to America. Yep. LOL. Eddie still has it. Arsenio clowning around. Wesley was great. I had a ball. Okay, Zamunda. Wakanda sees you. If people get out of hand, we got your back. Wakanda forever. I wish I could tell you that I enjoyed it as much as you did, but I did not. Uh, I just didn't find it very funny. Although the one what the intro of the Wesley Snipes scene, again, the man who was <laughs> the funny. inspiration for Mufasa, that that killed me. Um, there are a couple. It has its moments. It had a nice sense of nostalgia and I enjoyed, but I, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I, I finished watching. And I was like, eh, well, that was a movie. I mean, it was all right. It's not bad. It's not bad. I wouldn't, I wouldn't just try to dissuade people from watching it. It certainly has its charms, but I considering the absolute glory and brilliance of the original, I really wish it had been a bit better. All right. What's next? Mr. Mystery says Evan Peter is not like Toby being uncle Ben, when, when we wanted that, it was the expectation that there was no multiverse. If Toby shows up in Spider-Man 3 in costume and they reveal at the end he's just some dude, that'd be lame. Why tease it at all? Well, here's the thing, Mr. Mystery. They never said multiverse had anything to do with this show. Ever. Not once. That was a fan-created thing. Nobody, everybody's like, oh, and this thing, they're going to rip open the multiverse and all this multiverse stuff is going to happen in multiverse, 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 multiverse. Never once did anybody at Marvel say this is a show about multiverse. Not once did this show ever even allude to multiverse. It was never on the table. It was never on the table, except fans made it up. But John, Doctor Strange 2 is called Multiverse of Madness. So yeah, when we come to Doctor Strange 2, we can talk about that but it was never put on the table for WandaVision, not once. And so when they needed to cast uh, somebody to be Pietro, to be the fake Pietro, the idea of going out and getting Evan Peters is absolutely the most genius stroke of casting of all time. Now, if WandaVision, if they had started WandaVision and, you know, uh, Darcy discover the hex said, this hex is actually a portal to all the multiple dimensions and blah, blah, blah. And then later fake Pietro shows up. Okay, well, now there's a different discussion. But for me, it was genius casting. It was definitely stunt casting, absolutely stunt casting. But it was absolutely brilliant, absolutely genius, had everybody talking. It was a fabulous misdirect. And if people just continued to pay attention to what Kevin Feige said, they wouldn't have been as easily duped. But everybody decided to ignore what Kevin Feige said. I didn't. I kept telling you guys from the beginning, from the first moment that guy popped up on screen, I said, that's not the that's not going to be the real Quicksilver. That's not the Quicksilver from the X, the, the X-Men universe. And everybody said, yes, he is. Oh, no, he's not. No, he's not. Again, just remember that um the the whole if multiverse was never on the table in this show, so. 
That's my take on it, Mr. Mystery. That's just my... And you have a different take on it. I respect that, but you're asking me, so I'm just giving you my take. All right, what's next? Geeky World says, Hi, John. Do you think HBO Max, DC are very worried after WandaVision? That is just the first series, the writing, acting, buzz it generated. We still got the movies. Disney have writers and directors in Mandalorian who can come over to Marvel. I like DC, but it's catch up. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Um, let's not forget, it's not like, well, gosh, WandaVision, let's just pull a couple of, let's say Falcon and Winter Soldier and, uh, Zack Snyder Snyder Cut comes out at the same time and they only play once and the audience has to choose which one to watch. That's not the situation here. You can watch both. You can watch both whenever you want. So I don't think Warner Brothers is worried. If anything, I think Warner Brothers is inspired. I think Warner Brothers is like, man, look at what type of juice can get generated when you've got a great show on a streaming network. And we believe we have great shows and we can generate that as well. So no, do I think they're worried about it? No. I think if anything, they're inspired by it. They're, they're encouraged by it. And listen, through the history of Hollywood, man, very few cinemas or very few studios have cranked out the classics, the greats like Warner Brothers has. Uh, they know what they're doing. They have had a little bit of a recent history of kind of dropping the ball with their DC universe with a lot of behind the scenes drama and everything. Granted, but no, this isn't you got to pick one or the other. It's it's both and. So Disney Plus's success will not take away from Warner Brothers success. So I don't think they're worried about it at all, to be honest with you. All right. What's next? Double B Studios says WandaVision was a blast. Perfect intro to phase four. I believe other writers and directors for coming up for upcoming Marvel content will set up their game. Kevin Feige driving the Marvel car to success. Looking forward to what's next. Also, let's go Godzilla, mother truckers. I cannot wait for Godzilla versus Kong right now. My life is a countdown clock to Godzilla versus Kong. And yeah, listen, I thought I said this before. I'll say it again. I thought WandaVision was going to be a nice little gimmicky. Oh, that's so cute. They're going to do this little shtick with the various uh, sitcom eras. It's going to be a nice little MCU thing. Mm -hmm. Just kind of a little appetizer for the real stuff. Like Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki. What a start. Knocked my socks off. Like if you're, there's an old saying with bands saying, I wouldn't want to follow that act. Like you don't want to be the band to come on stage after like the greatest band in the world just played because it's going to make you look dumb. I wouldn't want to be Falcon and Winter Soldier following this. They did set it up great. What, I'm just curious, what were your initial expectations? Like what were you thinking WandaVision was going to be? Like what were you thinking? I initially thought it was just going to be the telling of their love story in Mm. cute, creative ways that related to shows that we like. Right. And then I thought that it would have a a sad ending. And I thought it was a dream sequence. Right. Or I thought it was her doing something very light in terms of my theory. Like, oh, maybe she's just messing with a... Uh, not, Not a stone, but something... There's a machine or something that's letting her live out you know, her last dream. I, I didn't theorize. I wasn't like, hmm, yeah, yeah, Mephisto. Uh-uh. I just thought it would be cute. And I was like, oh, the 80s. Oh, the 60s. Oh, that's cute. And it turned to be so much more. Man, it was like Marvel's version of X-Files or something. Yes, yeah, it, it really, really was. Cool. By the way, I still want to see that Darcy and Wu X-Files show in the MCU. I want yeah. to see that so bad. All right, what's next? 
Double B Studio says, Me and my wife thought WandaVision had almost no flaws. The only thing that bugged us was Monica with powers felt gimmicky. The eyes, her face emotion wasn't convincing, didn't buy the character. Something felt missing. I don't know if it was the acting or the character. I'm not going to lie to you, Double B. I, I think if I had to find one weak link in in the show, it might be Monica. I love the introduction of the character. The introduction of the character was great. She then proceeded to annoy me a little bit. Like she was way in, in the same way that Hayward was far too pessimistic when it came to Wanda. Monica was way too optimistic and looking at nothing but the good stuff when it came to Wanda, especially that last horrible line. They'll never know how much you sacrifice. Like no mention that she's Girl. the one who did it in the first place, but whatever. Also, the the powers j did seem to pop up rather randomly. We never got a sense of what is it these powers do. Uh, I mean, if you read the comics, sure. Uh, I don't mind the eyes thing. I mean, that's something a lot of superhero tropes do. Yeah. Like when even when Thor's powering up, you see the lightning in his eyes. Yeah. When Wanda's getting mad, you see the red in her yeah. eyes. I mean, that's kind of a com common comic thing. But I that bothered me a character that started off with such promise in episode four. Like that unsnapping scene, oh, so good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I let's let's put it this way. I'm really looking forward to see what they do with her moving forward. Yes. Um, not the strongest start for the character, but I think they're going to do some really good things with the future. What did you think of Monica overall? I told I liked her. I liked Tayana Paris. I thought she did a great job in terms of the writing. I at at some point, and probably because there was so much to absorb with Wanda and Vision, like I get it. And very it's a short hard episodes. thing and very short episodes to inject a new character that's going to be major moving forward. But one thing specifically I didn't like is that when she got her powers, I mean, I don't. She didn't have a mirror because she couldn't see. Like, oh, my eyes are blue, but. Um, she didn't have a really interesting effect. Like, whoa, you know, she was just like, yeah. And I landed like this. Yeah. And five bullets just went through me. So some I was like, wouldn't you be like, some people speculate that means she actually kind of maybe already knew she had powers. There are some people Poss speculating maybe. that. I, I don't know that I she buy had no that. reaction to her own powers. Yeah, she was like, right. Yeah, yeah, I can see through things. And uh, yeah, I'm going to fly and I'm just going to jump up here and that's fine. Drop me 25 feet. I'll land. Like, I was like, where's the wonder of it all? Like, yeah. I, I just, yeah. And I would have loved a little discussion at the end as Wanda's getting ready to leave town. If she goes, so uh, where are your kids? Oh, I, I shut down the hex, which basically wiped them out of existence. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been nice if you told me that before I threw my body in front of some bullets to try to protect <laughs> these kids. You were just going to wipe out. But anyway, it would have been interesting to see. Yeah. All right. What's next? Just your average Jose says, rewatched Ant-Man 2. Janet Van Dyne says, adaptation and evolution is reason she survived Quantum Realm. Evolution in Marvel equals mutants. No. My guess is Ant-Man 3 will be the jumping off point to mutants in the MCU. Also coincides with Feige time frame. I, I think that is a massive stretch of interpretation of what she meant by that. She was not referring to mutants. Uh, that was not a part of why. That is a very, very, very long stretch. Now, we are getting closer and closer. We're, we're, we are well now past the halfway mark from when Feige said, I've got a five-year plan to when the end of that five years is. We're already at three years, and we're getting closer and closer. So... As we get closer and closer to that five years, the possibilities increase about which movie will do that. 
Is Ant-Man really the vehicle to introduce mutants? I I don't know. I love Ant-Man and I love Peyton Reed, the director, but I, I just don't know that that's the one they're going to do. If anything, it would make more sense that they would maybe introduce the concept of Fantastic Four in that one. But we will wait and see, just your average Jose. I mean, Kevin Feige finds ways to really catch us by surprise. All right, what's next? Pot Meets Kettle says, man, I love that scene in episode nine finale when Wanda was like, I can be good. And then Agatha and Westview was like, no, 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 you cannot wait. Yeah, of course, that, that's really more the reflection of the whole um, uh, 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 Agatha with her mother and all that sort of stuff scene. But it, listen, there was so much stuff to unpack in that conversation. Everything from revealing just how powerful Scarlet Witch could be, being more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme, but she has power but not knowledge, and without that, she'll never reach her potential. There was so much stuff being unpacked in that conversation. I thought it was great, so I love the exchanges in that one. All right, what's next? <laughs> Wanda fuck you say? <laughs> I do like Monica a lot. I can appreciate her Captain America optimism. That being said, she can go to space now. They'll never know what you sacrificed for them. It brought out of me a darkness rivaling the D DCEU. Literally any other line would be better. <laughs> well, you and I talked about that. That line was yeah, terrible. It was really bad. And, and, it, and it, it lessens your respect for the character. It was foolish. Yes. It, it was, was a like, foolish thing to say. It was like, but you just needed grief counseling. They'll be okay. Girl, these are lives. Yeah, I didn't They'll like that. They'll never know what you said. You did it to them. I like, I, uh, yeah, it was. It would have been better line. to say something like, you'll find forgiveness or something to really hit forgiveness, but also. Maybe. You're, you, you go search for redemption or, or something recognizing what she did was wrong, but also giving her hope. I mean, she did believe in her, so I didn't expect her to be like, you should be ashamed of yourself, Scarlet but also, Witch. But, as but being a like, girl, government officer, it's okay. Come on. She should have arrested her. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. sorry, as a yeah. government officer, she should have arrested. Now, granted, she was probably very aware mm -hmm. if Wanda Maximoff doesn't want to be arrested, she will burn she's off not these getting arrested. right now. <laughs> it's just that simple. Yeah. So I get that. There's nothing, there's nothing she can do there. Yeah. But at least an acknowledgement, you know, I should be arresting you. Uh, but mm -hmm. yeah, say, but you know, a kind of an acknowledgement. There should have been yeah. something like that. But I, I get it. I mean, there was nothing she could have done. All right, what's next? Powers Power says, I'm glad WandaVision is over. I'm finally free of the hex. I gotta be, right? With every episode, I'd be theorizing ways Wanda could suffer to end the show on a sad note. John, please tell me it was a hex. Otherwise, <laughs> I fear I may have developed a fetish. Well, I mean, here's the thing, though. It would be out of step. The re One of the reasons I was really looking forward to a real Shakespearean tragedy wasn't because I want to see Wanda suffer. No, it was because it's so much about the show is outside of the regular lock and step of what a MCU show is. And I thought it would have been grand to end on something like really heavy. Instead, she did have to go through loss again, lost the kids, lost vision, but came to a place of acceptance and then moved on understanding her new identity, uh, that of being the Scarlet Witch. So it was really, really good. But no, I, I don't blame you power for looking for that. Cause I was looking forward to just cause it would have been just so damn different. All right. 
What's next? Guy in the background says, I cherish Wanda, but let's set aside that perspective. You live in a small town of under 4,000 people. Then out of nowhere, a telepath arrived. You're locked, in, you're locked inside her mind, being puppeted with your kids sealed beyond reach, and you only dream to hold her again. Sorry, am I missing something? No, and I think you, Guy missed something. <laughs> and you only dream in... No, I think Guy forgot to put to, we put to submit two? number two. So let's just go skip oh, to part man. three. Okay, so I'm going to skip to part three and I'll try to fill in the blanks. He's probably okay. talking about the the discussion the discussion Dottie had with her about you locked my daughter locked away. My daughter All I wanted away. to do was hold her again. Yeah. Okay, that hit hard. I've never agreed with the senti- Sentinel part. Sorry. Program. So sorry. Program until now. Or at least a Batman contingency plan to protect, not kill. Hayward may lack Fury's cunning, but as a normie in this world of gods, I at least trust his intent. Yeah, I mean, it was very powerful. Like when Dottie went up to her, basically to beg her, please your greatness. Like you're basically the god here please let me see my child. She's been locked in the room forever. I can't even touch her or hold her or whatever. And you start to really do, I mean, we got a glimpse of it when Vision brought his coworker out and realized that he's in anguish. But that part with Dottie at the end really, really, really hit home. And it it makes the, the reality of that situation and the heaviness of that situation all the more profound. And uh, yeah, guy in the background, you're absolutely right about that. All right, what's next? Sloth is legend says, hey, John, tell me if I'm nitpicky or if WandaVision has some logic gaps. It definitely has a couple of logic gaps. A, Wanda just flies off at the end freely. Uh, Girl, you got to go to jail. In Civil War, she accidentally blows up a building and triggers a worldwide lockdown on soups. Right. Just let's address that quickly Mm. just before we move on to part two. Again, what was anybody there going to do? She was now the Scarlet Witch. She was Wanda Maximoff. Other than maybe Captain Marvel, as of right now, she's the next most powerful character in all the MCU, and they all saw what she could do. An acknowledgement from Monica saying, you know, I should be arresting you, even with a smile on her face or something. But the reality is none of of them there could do a thing. There was nothing they could have done. And there were were consequences. She did have to leave and go into hiding and all that kind of stuff. But again, there was nothing they could have done about it. So I don't really see that part as a logic gap. Okay, let's continue on. In the show, she kidnaps an entire town and just flies away. No repercussions. What? (laughs) B, instead of making Hayward a one-note asshole, you could expand his character exponentially by adding one simple detail, like having Dottie or anyone in town be someone he cares about. This would explain his bring-down-Wanda-at-all-cost mentality. Well, I mean, again, I, I I think that would have been very cheap gimmicky. It's like, really... The director of S.W.O.R.D. just happens to have his favorite nephew living in that town of 3000. It would have been the worst kind of coincidental writing ever. I think, I don't think he needed any more motivation. Listen, if you're the director of an agency meant for, you know, global protection, and you've got this superpowered being that has literally taken captive an entire town and brainwashed all of them and turned them into her personal puppets against their will... That's all the motivation you need. Now, as an antagonist, was Hayward a particularly compelling one? No, actually not. It was rather thin, to be honest with you. But still, I think saying that, oh, he had to have a connection to Dottie. He's like, really? Out of everywhere on the planet, 
He just so happens to have this lady living in this small town of 3,000. I think that would have been bad writing, to be honest with you. So I thought he had motivation enough, even though he was a pretty thin antagonist. All right. What, how does they finish off? C. Lastly, why did no one in the town, military townsfolk, even notice Agatha, a purple glowing flying woman? Not a single glance at her whatsoever? I'm not sure that that's true. I mean, I have to, I'd have to go back and look at it again, but I... I didn't think there was any indication. I didn't think they went out of their way to show that nobody could notice or see Agatha. Like I, I never got that, uh, that feeling from it to do. No. Yeah. No, I, I didn't get that either. Cause so. you know, the people in your, in your town, but you don't know everybody. Yeah. But again, were there some logic problems in WandaVision? Sure. Almost yeah. every movie and TV show does. And, and they had a couple, but those are, that's how I saw those particular ones that you're laying out there sloth. All right. What's next? Sam says, do you think we'll see Daniel Day-Lewis again? I know many actors and directors say they retire, but I feel he might be the only person who meant it when he said he was done. Maybe never say never, I suppose. Okay, so here, Daniel Day-Lewis, the greatest actor of all time, the best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. He is the eternal goat when it comes to acting. There's nobody who is his equal. But I actually... I mean, is it possible he could come back? Absolutely. We're human beings. We can change our minds. But here's the other thing that really makes me kind of believe him. It's not like he was Samuel L. Jackson or Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who appears in 37 movies every single year. He was incredibly picky about what movies he would be in part. And he would do like one movie every four or five years. Sometimes he would like have years in between different projects he would do. And so considering he never really did a lot of movies anyway, I really heartbreakingly think he's going to stay retired. Now, of course it's possibly come back. I hope he comes back. We'll, we, we have nobody else on the planet who can do what he can do on a big screen. But I, if I had to put $5 on it, I probably guess we are never going to see him again. Unfortunately, Sam, it, it sucks, but I, but he, all we can hope for is that he changes his mind sometime. All right, what's next? The Sock says, So I watched Coming to America for the first time, then watched the second not expecting anything but a decent movie on its own. Well, I guess I should have set the bar lower because this movie was painfully unfunny. I couldn't finish it, and I was 30 minutes in. Yeah, I, and again, you know, here's the thing. We That's are, tough if you see it the first time. Yeah, it's you almost should have watched Coming to America 2 first. Yeah. And you might have enjoyed it because yeah. Coming to America 1 is a high bar. You know, it's, it's one of the things I say all the time is if you can do almost everything, if you're making a comedy, you can make almost every filmmaking mistake. Hmm. You can have questionable story. You can have weak characters. You can do almost everything wrong. If you make the audience laugh, hmm. everything else will be forgiven. Everything else will be forgiven. The opposite of that is you can do almost everything right in a comedy, mm -hmm. have good characters like, Coming to America 2 has good characters. Good nostalgia. There's fabulous nostalgia in Coming to America 2. Cameos. Mm -hmm. Good cameos. Uh, a good message. All that kind of stuff. But if you're comedy and you don't make the audience laugh, almost none of the other good stuff you do counts. And that's unfair. But that was, for me, the basic problem of Coming to America 2. It's just that it just didn't make me laugh. Unlike the first one, which makes you laugh a lot. So, yeah. You watching Coming to America 1 first sock might have been setting yourself up for disappointment, but hey, at least you saw Coming to America 1 and got to enjoy all of its greatness. All right, what's next? 
Ryan Lawner says, I hope Paul Bettany enjoys the rest of his life having to follow everything he says with, I promise, I'm not just screwing with the fans this time. You know, it's so funny. I think Bettany probably didn't appreciate the fact that we, as the fan community, are so tightly wound that you make the slightest little comment of jest or whatever in a random interview somewhere, sometime at one point in time. And we will take that one line you said in a random interview somewhere oh. in some publication somewhere. Blow and that we up. will make a world defining theory and speculation out of all the things that that means. And, and granted, look, he did say there's an actor in this I've really been wanting to work with. And of course, that got that us led to a lot of thoughts. But oh yeah, yeah, sure, it absolutely does. You can't blame us for that. But I mean, you could totally see it from his point of view, making a little joke like that. He probably didn't make anything. He didn't probably probably didn't think anything of it. It's like just a funny little gag I'm just throwing out there. He probably didn't understand just how tightly wound we are. Uh, and like, since we will dig, I'll give you an example. We just had somebody write in saying. I rewatched Ant-Man 2, a movie from three years ago, and in it, the word mutant was used. Mutants means X-Men. X-Men are coming in. <laughs> there you like, go. That is what we as there fans you go. do. And I think Paul Bettany has now learned that lesson. Read the room, bro. Yeah, now he's read, read the, room. the room, and now Careful. he will get better at that moving forward. All right, what's next? HV3 says, hey, John, and happy Monday to you. How many Funko Pops is too many? Whew. I got one for a present last year, and now I have over 50. What are some of your favorite Funko Pops and that, that you have? My Underwater 11 from Stranger Things is my favorite. I probably, I'm going to guess I have a little over 150 now. Oh, wow. Yeah, I only have like... 10 in this room right now. Most of them are still in boxes from moving. I, I just don't know where to put them right <laughs> now. Cool. Um, favorite ones. Well, uh, some of my favorite ones are my Lord of the Rings. I have a bunch from Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. Uh, my actual Aquaman from from the Jason Momoa Aquaman is one of my favorite ones, too. Um, the, my two first pops, my brother-in-law, Ray. Uh -huh. I was not. This is when pops just started to become popular. All my staff, like every lunch hour my a bunch of guys from my staff would walk over to the nearby mall in Burbank and they'd go into this place that sell, sold a lot of collectibles including a lot of pops and they would buy pops every day and I was just never getting into that <laughs> every day and then my brother-in-law Ray he comes back one day from lunch because he was working with us at the studio he comes back one day and goes I got you these and he got me Sam and Dean Winchester from Supernatural because he knew I love Supernatural oh and I'm like cool and I looked at them and I thought you know, maybe if I got Castiel too. So I got Castiel and That's I thought, you know, cast. I love Batman. Maybe I should, should get Batman. And he's like, oh, they got a Superman one. I get Superman. It's like, ooh, look at that Captain America one. And then I got that. And then all of a sudden, and unlike Hot Toys, you know, Robert Meyer Burnett has his incredible, and Hot Toys are way better. I've got a couple of Hot Toys, but you know, they're like 350 bucks a piece. Unlike Hot Toys that are 300 plus dollars, Pops can be like 10 bucks. So it's not that Uncollectible. bad. But those are those are some of mine and some of my favorites. There's no such thing as too many, my friend. There's no such thing as too many. All right, what's next? All right, this is coming from HV3. If there was no Disney Plus to put the WandaVision series on, do you think Kevin Feige would have made a WandaVision movie? Would have that even worked without the week-to-week -week episode drop? WandaVision is on 
WandaVision is, that's supposed to say, one of the best things Marvel has done. Yeah, I do believe he probably would have made a movie out of it. And ultimately, at the end of the day, when you look at it, it probably, they would have had to have pared the story down a bit. But that is something you could have done. Like the story of Wanda recreating Vision in a, in a fantasy world, uh, Sword being really concerned about it. She discovers uh, Agnes is actually a witch who's kind of been now watching and wants to get this power for her own, a big climax. She moves on at the end. That could have been done in a two and a half hour movie. Um, now, would it have been nearly as popular? No. This show is such a great example of how the week-to-week release schedule Love it. can really amp up the experience of it as opposed to dropping it even all, even if they did the entire show, like Netflix just dropped it all yeah. once. Wouldn't have built it up nearly as much. And I don't think a movie would have been as successful as the show here. So this is one of those things where, yes, I do believe without Disney Plus, he would have made a movie. And it would have been fine because it would have been an MCU thing. Mm -hmm. But um, do you think WandaVision could have worked as like, say, a two hour and 20 minute movie? Yeah, because I mean, um, I think it could have. And and it would have had the twist of like, um, you know, of course, nobody likes spoilers, but it definitely would have been if you spoiled it, it would have been like a sixth sense kind of spoiler like don't freaking tell me how it ends <laughs> you know but i'm also glad they did week to week because emotionally i don't know that i could have binged it in one day and been yeah. emotionally okay as a person in my mind <laughs> i see, I see <laughs> my what emotions would be a little messy <laughs> i would be like i'm crying but i'm laughing but i also don't know what's happening no, I love the week to week. All right, let's move on. What's next? Raba says, what if Mephisto's greatest deception was convincing us that he wasn't in WandaVision? Ah. Also, if witches can you, can't use magic inside another witch's ruins, how was Agatha, how was Agnes flying? I request elaboration. Well, first of all, I love a good callback to too. one of my top 10 all-time favorite movies, Usual Suspects. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was to comp- convince people convince people he didn't exist well i do believe the devil exists the only thing i'm afraid of is kaiser soze anyway what if mephisto is actually kaiser soze there's one for you (laughs) um you know what boom that is a great thing to bring up roba if the runes were now set and agatha could not use her magic how was she flying i totally said that out loud when i watched it do you thought as soon as she was showing the thing she's like and you can't use your magic and i was like why is she flying though why I, is she flying though? <laughs> I never even thought I was of it. Thinking. <laughs> that is a terrific. She should have just like it would have been hilarious if she dropped and Wanda looked at her and was like, hmm, and, and then went down. Up. That would have been hilarious. That is, oh, seriously, Roba. That is a terrific observation. I never even thought about that. That is a great question. All right, what's next? UFC two five nine. What a was fantastic, by the way. <laughs> Poor Aho. I hope I said that right. And anyone saying he deserves an Oscar and was faking, please, STFU. What's that stand for? Shut the fuck, Shut up. The fuck up. Okay. <laughs> I'd like to see you take that knee to the head and try to continue the fight. Overall, fantastic card, especially the prelims. Izzy and Jan was close flight and Nunez, wow. Yeah, for all Aljamain um, Sterling, of course, Fought for the title against uh, Peter Yan, and Peter Yan. I felt bad for Peter Yan. He clearly, like, 
Peter Young was was obviously controlling the fight. He was going to win the fight. I mean, it, he had it well under control. He was never in any trouble from Aljamain Sterling, who is a magnificent fighter. And then, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, there's a rule in the UFC that you cannot kick or knee an opponent's head if they are downed. And the def, depending on which rules you go by, because different states have different rules, but that downed is if you've got your hands on the ground, even if you're standing on your feet, if your hands are on the ground, you are technically a downed fighter. But also mm-hmm. having one knee on the ground makes you a downed fighter. And uh, Peter Yan was combating with with uh, Aljamain. Aljamain was on the ground, but his feet were up off it. And just in Peter's head, it's like, oh, his hands are up. And he threw the knee and connected with a brutal knee to Aljamain Sterling's head, even though Aljamain had one knee on the ground, which made it an illegal strike. Jan was disqualified and Aljamain Sterling becomes a champion. Now, if Aljamain had popped back up to his feet and told the referee, I'm good, I'm ready to go. The referee gave him a couple of minutes to try to recover. If he got back on his feet and said, okay, I'm good, I can continue, then the fight would have continued on and he would have lost and not been champion. But by telling the referee, I can't go on fighting, I can't, oh, I can't walk and I can't, I can't move, I can't go on fighting, then he won by disqualification and got the title. Was Aljamain faking not being able to go on in the fight? I don't believe so at all. When you, when you go back now, if you just told me about it, it would sound suspicious, but when you watch it and you see the knee that Jan lands on Sterling's head, that was a power. And and the moment he hit Sterling was down like a sack of bricks, man. It was a brutal, brutal knee. It sucks. It's unfortunate. I have no doubt that Peter Jan had no, Peter Jan wasn't looking to intentionally give up his belt. That was he, that wasn't his intention. He's got to be held responsible. He's responsible for his own actions. Yes, it was a mistake, but he's paying the price for it now. He lost his title. But I don't believe his intention was ever to do something like that. And Aljamain Sterling certainly didn't want to win the, the title that way. And, but yeah, Amanda Nunez, nobody can touch her other than maybe Valentina Shashenko. They got to run it that back again. I think that's the only fight left for her. So uh, yes. Anyway, oh, but it appears there's a part two to that. What What is the part two? It's all right. So unrelated to UFC, but WandaVision Bunny is 100% confirmed a demon. Kevin Smith said last night, Kevin Smith last night had director of WandaVision on his show. He said Bunny had a scene where he turns into a demon and scares the kids, but they didn't finish the VFX in time. So it got cut last minute for time. Yeah, again, I still think a, a standard witch familiar but obviously with an added little dimension like That's the, he cool. wasn't mephisto or anything like that he wasn't mephisto but yeah he said they were gonna have that scene with the rabbit of course i mean no rabbits eat birds this thing ate a bird so yeah that was that was pretty interesting to me so it's gonna be interesting to see if that has any further repercussions as they move on uh, a little bit uh, a little bit further on all right what's next this is coming from steel If you listen to the kids screaming and look at Wanda's face in the second end credit scene, she hears it, then slams the book closed as if she was going, as if she was about to go get them. Take a look at it, John, and tell me I'm wrong. They're still alive somehow. No, they're dead. If if they're still alive, so is Vision. So is Hex Vision. You think she was just mentally? I think so. Because here's the thing: I need to go back and and double verify. But when. When Wanda was away, when Agatha was out in the street, like after Wanda went, bravo, then she disappeared. And then all of a sudden, Wanda hears her kid screaming, mom, help, blah, blah, blah. She goes running out into the street. 
That's the exact same audio that plays as she's looking in the book. Mom, help! Oh, um, now I, I, same I, cadence. I could be wrong. I'll have to go back and double check that. So let me just throw that. But I'm pretty sure it's the exact same audio that plays. Mm. I think that was honestly just her having memories and echoes. I don't think her kids are still alive mm. unless she's looking through dimensions and finds hearing from like if she's using the dark hole to look into other dimensions and then there's a dimension she finds where her kids are out there calling. Again, that would play into my theory that when we get into Doctor Strange 2, I think she's going to use she's mm -hmm. going to pull a kingpin from Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse where he ripped open universes to try to find other copies of his wife and son. I think mm. that's what she's going to do. And that's going to cause problems for multiverse of madness. But again, I don't know that that's just me theorizing. All right. What's next. Deck star says, have you ever read about or watched the making of a film where they mention how the movie was to go in a different direction and found yourself preferring that idea over what was presented? That was me and Fallen Kingdom. As a hardcore Jurassic franchise fan, it's pretty much my Star Wars. Fallen Kingdom ain't it. Bayona, Bayona literally just did away with his idea for the sake of Colin's vision. And within the Jurassic community, it's very low on the tier list. Rant done. I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of like Fallen Kingdom. Yeah? I actually thought Fallen Kingdom was the second best Jurassic Park movie. Really? Like, well below the original Jurassic Park. Like, there's the original Jurassic Park, and then there's everything else. Yeah. And I oh, actually yeah. thought Fallen Kingdom was probably the second best one. Hmm. I, yeah. But look, here's the thing, though. It is easy to hear another concept and think it would be better mm -hmm. because you get to make it up in your head. Like, you hear a concept. That, I'll give you a good example. Uh, do you remember that, oh, what's the name of the guy who stars in James Cameron's Avatar? Sam? Sam Worthington? Worthington. Thank mm -hmm. you. Sam Worthington starred in with Liam Neeson in a version of Clash of the Titans. Yes. Yeah. And I remember I got the script. I got my hands on the script long before the movie ever came out. Okay. And I read the script and I, I remember thinking, this is awesome. The script was wonderful. I'm reading. I'm like, this is fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> and then the movie was far from, far from, but it was definitely the movie that was from the script. I mean, it mm. was definitely the same one, but it's, it's easy for us to hear a concept and then make up in our heads what that maybe could have yeah. looked like. Right. And what yeah. it maybe could have been possibility. It could have turned out 10 times worse. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say, be careful trying to compare, compare a theoretical concept to an actual physically done piece of media because how it translates, you never know. And, uh, but again, yeah, for me, uh, again, I don't have high regard for any of the Jurassic Park's movies, like, like not high regard for any of the Jurassic Park movies other than the original, but I actually thought Fallen Kingdom was the next best one. Yeah. I mean, that was, what did you the think of Fallen Kingdom? You seem pretty disappointed the, with it yourself. No, the second and the third, I was just thinking about the second one when they came to New York. Oh, my I was, I was yeah. like, come on, man. Um, I like Jurassic World better than Fallen Kingdom. But, I, I like Jurassic World. You know, but in terms of a story, it makes I think Fallen World makes sense. Fallen Kingdom. Sorry. It makes sense because, yeah, we're greedy and we would try to start auctioning them off as nuclear weapons or, <laughs> or tie a nuke pets. to the tail. So it swings and blows up a country. Yeah, I will say I like I'm very excited about the new one. I'm I am too. Very Did you see the, the animated one on uh Did not Netflix? love the animated one. 
that's interesting. The camping thing. With the kids, I was like, huh, yeah. Camp Jurassic, or was it Camp Cretaceous or whatever Camp Cretaceous, it was called? yeah. Yeah, not so Cute. much. But did you see the short film they did that's leading into the next Jurassic? Yes, I did. I thought that was terrific. I liked it a lot. I, I'm very excited to see where they go with it. Yeah. All right, what's yeah. next? Ethan's Tech World says, Hello. It's been a bit since it's been a bit since I've wrote in, but thank you all for being so great every day. Thank you, Ethan. Today, 3821 is a very interesting day for me. I looked back at my AMC app and it has been one year since I've been to a movie theater. That's crazy. I miss going. Oh, dude, listen, you're talking to a guy that lives in the movie theaters. I would go four or five times a week. I mean, I, I it was so bad that when New Mutants came out and my only option was to <laughs> drive to Las Vegas just to watch a movie... I drove seven hours round trip to be in a theater for a little over two hours. That's how desperate I was. <laughs> and then I went one more time to go see Tenet when the theaters in Orange County were still open. And I saw Tenet and it's so in the last year, I've been twice. I've been twice. Dude, you and me both. I cannot wait to go back. It looks like things are so, slowly creeping themselves open. Let's as long as we all do it carefully and cautiously and follow the rules and don't like act like a bunch of inbred morons then we should be on our road to recovery here and hopefully we'll continue on that way. All right, what's next? Jose Reyes says, what are your thoughts on UFC 259? Stylebender's first loss, Amanda Nunez being unstoppable and that illegal knee that Peter Yan did to lose his belt. Crazy night of fights. Yeah, I, for, first of all, overall, it was a fabulous night of fights and the prelims were every bit as good as the main card. I mean, the I think all the, the the fight night bonuses went to fights that were on the prelims. The prelims were fantastic. I was on my ass watching UFC for about five hours, maybe six, six hours in total that day. First of all, Amanda Nunez, again, there's no fight left for her. The only thing she can do is fight Valentina Shashenko again. Those are the two most immortal battle-hardened terminators walking the face of the earth that are female. Um, the only other thing Amanda Nunez can do is start fighting dudes. I mean, honestly, that's the only thing left for her to do other than fighting uh, Valentina. There is nobody, Joe Rogan put it best. There is literally nobody less that can challenge her. There's other than Valentina who they fought twice. And some people thought she, Valentina beat her the one time, but they went to the distance. They went the distance twice. Uh, that's it. Other than that, there's nothing left for her, but to fight guys. And some people are saying, well, Amanda should retire. Why? You, she just worked for one minute and 20 seconds. I think that was the length of their fight. Anyway, she ended the fight in the first round. She never took one punch. She walked in there, took this contender, took her down, beat the hell out of her, put her in two submissions at once with a triangle leg choke and an arm bar and done. And guess what? Now she doesn't have to work again for another four or five months. And she'll go in and put in another two minutes work. And she just gets to make the easiest money she will ever make in her life because she is so far above everybody else. Um, there's that as far as style Bender's first lock loss. Look, I said on my show, I thought, uh, 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 Jim was going to present real problems for him. Style Bender is not used to getting hit by a guy that big. Remember style Bender moved up a weight class. He wasn't, and he came in four pounds underweight. So on fight night, style Bender was probably weighing one Oh two, one Oh three, and the champ came in probably weighing 220, 225. I mean, because he didn't, I mean, the weight cut was done. He just had so much more power. Uh, and then once, you know, once a normal guy gets style bender on the ground, which hardly ever happens, he can get back up. 
But now you're fighting a guy with like an extra 20 pounds who's just used to fighting that big. It provided problems. I don't think it's any knock on style bender. He tried to go up a weight class, didn't work, and uh, he'll continue to be dominant in middleweight. But overall, I thought it was a great night of fights. All right, what's next? This is coming from War Doctor 10. Hi, John and crew. I'm finally going back to work once Universal is opened. Wonderful. Come, come to Ollivander's and ask for Mike. I will personally give you and Anne a wand fitting as a thank you for all you've done. That's funny, War Doctor, because uh, somebody I know who used to work for me, uh, John Roca, uh, who is, uh, of course, uh, still involved with Schmodown and everything like that. He used to work in Ollivander's. He was the wand guy in Ollivander's. I don't know if you know that uh, oh War Doctor or how long you've been working there, but you were in a position that John Roca used to be in. So I, Anne loves going to University City Walk and going to Potterland. Anne is a major Potterhead. And it was so great when we lived in Burbank because it was literally, you go one block over from our place and you were literally on the road that would take us to Universal City Walk 15 minutes that way. And we would go all the time. We were, we're annual pass holders. We love it. And uh, we will stick. We'll definitely stick our noses back in there again once things are opened up, back up. All right. What's next? Ryan Lawner says, one really surprising casting tidbit I just found out. Kenneth Mars, best known as Franz Lieb. Liebkind in The Producers and Inspector Kemp in Young Frankenstein was also King Triton in The Little Mermaid. I never knew that. That is really cool. interesting to hear. I always love finding these little these I little dot connections facts. like that. Well said. Thank you. For, that's a great little trivia question that's in and of cool. itself, Brian. Thank you for throwing that in there. It's good to know. All right. What's next? Free Britney. Oh. That's... <laughs> Free Brittany says, honestly, John, I think the only way to introduce the X-Men slash mutants is the multiverse. In our universe, we have Avengers, but in another universe, they have the X-Men. And I think Doctor Strange 2 will tease this in the multiverse of madness. Wanda is witch, not mutant. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the show made that completely clear. The show made it completely clear. Wanda Maximoff is not, nor has she ever been a mutant. Not in this reality. She is a witch period, full stop, end sentence, done. The thing is about Dr. Strange's, my theory that I can't back up, by the way, just pure theory, but I think Multiverse of Madness is going to be putting an end to the multiverse stuff. I honestly think Dr. Strange is like, there's all this multiverse, got to seal it all off. For the protection of the realms, it's got to be sealed off. That's what I think they're doing. Again, there are inherent problems with the idea of saying we're bringing in X-Men from a different universe, um, because then how does that work in this, the whole idea then, I mean, I like the idea of keeping X-Men in their own universe, but I don't think Kevin Feige is going to do that. I wish he would. I hope he does, but I don't think they're going that way, but I have no idea free Brittany, how they're going to do it. I guess we're just going to have to wait and see, but, uh, maybe it'll turn out your theory's correct. All right. What's next? Corey O says, John, our tiny little rundown local AMC finally opened up Nice. and my girlfriend and I decided to see chaos walking. Not a good movie. We were both disappointed by it. Have you had a chance to see it yet? No. And listen, I remember, I think it was two years ago, I got told by somebody on the crew that that movie was nigh unwatchable. Uh, and this was years ago. Yeah, because so, it's taken a long time to make it Yeah, well, I mean, out. Wasn't they, it done like in 2018 or something? It was done, like but then they decided, they realized it was completely unwatchable. And they had to reshoot a huge, huge chunk of it. But Daisy Ridley had commitments with the promotional tours of uh, oh, yeah. the Star Wars She's stuff and all girl. that kind of stuff. And then 
Tom Holland's own schedule, mm -hmm. getting those two actors back together. I mean, that's, mm. that's take some scheduling. So then they were able to finally get it redone. And they were, there were arguments in the studio about how much to spend on remakes because they weren't even, or reshoots because they weren't even sure they're going to be able to make the reshoot money back. It was just a mess. Now, look, I hope it's good. I do plan on watching it, but I have not gone out of my way to watch it yet. So can I ask you a question? Absolutely. And as you know, I'm, I'm starting in my journey in the film industry, you know, apart from, you know, well, my YouTube wasn't film, but I'm, I'm learning more and more about the film industry. And something that I don't understand is with such big celebrities, not celebrities, but, but huge actors that have a great, great track record. How does this happen? Like, are there not enough people speaking up and saying, bro, this is crap? Like, how does it get to this point where it's so bad, where you have Daisy Ridley and you have Tom Holland? You know, I'm 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 not well versed on how this gets so far and then it ends up being so unwatchable. Yeah, I I think there it's like Geely, like, yeah. you know, like. Well, there are a couple I mean, of factors involved. I mean, on, on the one hand, there's a thing we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. You can read the script and it may sound fantastic. Mm. And in the way the like, picture wow. gets painted in your mind of, you know, exterior night, dogs barking, thing, you're picturing like, one thing, oh. but it might work out to be something completely mm, different. Yeah. So there's that. So you sign up for it. Yeah. You perform in it. And maybe even while you're shooting, I, I've, I mean, I've heard from some directors who were like, yeah, when we were making this movie, we thought we had an Oscar winner on our hand. And mm. then when we got, when we assembled the first edit, it was like, Hmm, not so much. Mm. So there's that. There's also part of it that is like, just deals with actors. It's like, look, okay, we'll give you this. You agree to appear in one or two things that we need you to appear in. Sure. And maybe something like that turned out to be chaos walking. Mm. Oh, you know, okay. There's that as well. That's like, interesting. Like with directors. Okay. I know that happens with directors all the time. It's like, tell you what, we will green light this movie for you if you will then do direct in such and such movie uh, for us. So that happens sometimes too. Okay. But I, honestly, I think the primary thing is it looks great in the, on the page. It looks great on the page. And when you hear the concept of chaos walking based on the book, it sounds fascinating. Mm -hmm. It sounds like this would make a great movie, but see your thoughts. then mm. the execution of it, it can fall apart really quick. And, and uh, like I say all the time, if you have a bad movie, a great performance from an actor will not turn a bad movie into a good movie. Hmm. It'll, it can elevate a movie, but it's not going to take a black and white take a bad movie. And you could put Daniel Day-Lewis in it and Meryl Streep at the same time. It won't make that movie suddenly a good movie. And it just, uh, it happens. Ask mm. George Clooney about Batman. See how that goes. All right. What's next? <laughs> Jeff S. said, you the man. Thank you. Topic is now great and timely. I've always said we aren't really cutting the cord. Aside from adding all the services costs together, we still have to pay that dreaded provider for high-speed internet. No cord cut, LOL. Well, I mean, yes, but even if we weren't getting our streaming services on the internet, you are still paying for your internet because you need internet. Like, well, all of my, all of my day, everybody's working. I mean, my wife, Anne, right now, she works for Apple, but she works from home. She needs the internet. We all need the internet. So I never count the cost of my internet service because even when I was just a cable subscriber, I still had to pay for internet, even though I get, wasn't getting my entertainment over the internet. So I don't count that. But yeah, this, it is going to become more and more complex. We were talking earlier today on the John Campbell show. Mm -hmm. I'm like, 
with just not even all the services. We added up a bunch of the services. Let me see if I can pull up uh, these ones in particular. Hold on a second. Um, even if you just add up, here we go. Even if you just add up these services, Netflix, Disney Plus, Amazon, Hulu, HBO Max, Paramount Plus, Peacock, Apple TV Plus, Showtime, and Stars. There's many others. Mm -hmm. There's many others. Yeah, there's so many. That's $107 a month right there. That's $107 a month. And that is with acquisition pricing. Like Disney right now just raised their prices from $7, $8 a month. I guarantee you three years from now, Disney's going to be $14, $15 a month. I guarantee you Netflix is going to be piling up. It's going to go up. And I'm telling you, it's going to come where... And, and the, the shows are dispersed across them all. Like even stars, American Gods, Outlander. Like these shows are on stars. Outlander. You want to watch Ray Donovan or Billions or things like that? And that's Showtime. Showtime. You want to watch Ted Lasso or The Morning Show Apple. or For All Mankind? That I mean, they're spread out all over the place, which means you have to have um, a bunch of these services. I believe like in three years, mm-hmm. we'll be spending like 200 $250 a month on our streaming services, way more than cable ever was. So it's, it's a problem, but it's one we're going to have to figure out and navigate as we go. So it's, yeah. it's so pricey. Yep. Luckily we all split it up. I mean, I'm luckily to live with my family. So like I take care of Disney and Hulu, right. my sister takes care of this and this, and my dad takes care of this and this. And so, um, luckily I don't have that whole weight, but, yeah. um, yep. It adds up. All right. What's next? Dylan Bly says, just wanted to thank you. I went from watching you years ago, living in my car, all the way to now just days away from closing on my house. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks for being the big inspiration you are. Oh, Dylan, that is so cool to hear. That is, I mean, forget the fact that you're watching me. I mean, just that you've been able to make that progression in your own life. That is awesome. Like you are clearly somebody who never accepted your circumstances and you just went all out, obviously. So, hey, dude, thank you. You're the inspiration. Thank you for sharing that story, man. That's really cool to hear. Thank you so much. And thank you for allowing me the honor of coming along with you on that journey. That's awesome, man. Thank you. And congrats on the house, dude. I can relate. Congrats on the house. All right, what's next? Edge Boy says, hey, John, do you think there will be a spike in pirating content due to so much content spread across many platforms and rising costs? Or do you think it's more likely that people will bite the bullet and simply pay for more? Thanks and bring on the filthy. It goes back to a fundamental belief I have about piracy, Edge, uh, going all the way back to when there was Napster and iTunes (laughs) started the revolutionary approach of selling individual songs for 99 cents. And I remember remember at the time, like a lot of people talk about lawsuits and a lot of people, Mm -hmm. and that's all true. But I am telling you the reason naps, things like Napster and those services went away Mm -hmm. was ultimately because it would have been like Hydra. Yeah. You could cut off one thing. Three more things would have propped up to take its place. Mm -hmm. But I believe fundamentally, if you give consumers a value proposition easily accessible option to legally acquire your content, whether it's video content, TV shows, movies, music, whatever, art. If you offer to the consumer an easily convenient, readily available method for acquiring your content, and you offer it at prices that are reasonable and offer a value proposition, people want 
to compensate artists and entertainers and things like that. They want to compensate them for being entertained. I find that we as people are generally honest people. Yes, there are people out there who aren't, yes, but I believe that most people do. And if most people listen to music they enjoy, they want to support the artists. And if people see a movie they like, they want to support the creators. And if people watch YouTube channels that they enjoy uh, participating in, they want to contribute to it. I just, that's my belief. And I believe that as long as these content providers continue to offer value propositions. I was saying this the other day. Uh, people have been asking questions about UFC 259. Hmm. I dropped $69, 70 bucks to watch UFC 259. I have been getting a lot of them for free because they for did this one promo thing with me. Fight? For the one evening of fights. For the oh, one okay. Of, for whole, the card, okay. right? So $70 I ended up having Dang. to spend for one sit-down watch. Netflix or HBO Max is $15 a month. And I think they stopped their free trial. Tons of content for me to watch and enjoy. That is a ludicrously wonderful value proposition. Yeah. yeah. When you look at Disney Plus, Disney Plus ain't going to stay at $8. It's going to go up. But oh, even yeah. when it does go up, it is a ludicrously high, high value proposition. As long as these places still offer us good value propositions, yeah. I believe piracy is going to be a nominal thing. I really do. Like, I, I, again, I just think people like to compensate others for the work that they enjoy. I, that's just me. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm naive. All right, what's next? This is coming from Gerard Leon. Hey, John, I know you're not watching or even about the Oscars this year, and for good reason, but I recently saw the movie Sound of Metal on Prime, and wow, wondering if you've seen it, and if you have, what do you think? Yeah, I, I did, and it's it's got a dude from Rogue One. Why am I forgetting his name? Um, the actor from Rogue One. Riz Ahmed. Yes, thank you, thank you. Uh, Riz Ahmed was fabulous in it. So good. Absolutely fabulous in it. For, for those of you who probably heard that it's... Basically, this amazing heavy metal drummer is losing his hearing. And what does that mean? And it sounds like a really simple premise, and it is, but they dive into it and make it such a character-driven thing that it's you go on this emotional journey with them. He was great. And, and it is wonderful. I don't know if it's going to win anything major, but it will get some Oscar buzz. It will get mm -hmm. some Oscar buzz. I mean, this is the year of Nomadland. I mean, this is uh, uh, Chloe Zhao's year. Yeah. This is her year. And you're right. I don't care about the Oscars this year. I don't even think there should be an Oscars this year. I think they should postpone it. But whatever. Um, but yeah, that movie is fantastic. You've obviously seen it was so good. Yeah. And I love I love storytelling, and I love seeing stories that are um, really original. Because there's a lot of wonderful movies out there that are very similar to stuff you've always seen. But I love storytelling about people who are going through hearing loss. That's a story I feel like really needed to be told. And I love that because they could have told it in any way. It could have been a teacher losing their hearing. But I love that it was someone who was passionate about metal. They were passionate about, you know, rock and what they were doing. And to lose that ability, like that was very powerful, the way yeah. they told the story. And, and his performance was like, wow. But it's, it's one step beyond, too, because you could have made the story about anybody struggling with hearing loss. And yeah. That would have been a powerful yeah. story. But yeah. a guy who sound is his whole life that's his income yeah well i was i remember mm -hmm. last friday 
I decided not to do an episode of the John Campus show because I had done like a four hour pregame show for WandaVision. I had done a two and a half hour show, the John Campus show earlier in that day. Mm. And then on Friday, later on Friday, I was going to have to do three or four hours of the WandaVision spoiler discussion. And my voice was starting to get really kind of rough, like mm-hmm. really kind of sore. And I thought I better take it easy. I didn't do an episode of the John Campus show. And I had somebody write in really critical. It's like, oh, poor baby. If I wrote in, if I called into work, said I'm not coming in today because my voice is a little sore, I'd get fired. And I'm like, if dude, unless your, your job, job is your, your voice. voice, like if, if I lost my voice, yeah, I mean, that's it. That's my, that's my voice is my business. It's that's, my passion. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. what, what I love to do. Mm-hmm. And when you think of that in context of the thing that you really need to do the things you love. Now imagine losing that one thing. That one thing that you, you need that lets you do what you love and then transpose it onto Sound of Metal. It, uh, so whoo, it's powerful. All right, so what's next? Charlie Nunez says, watching you two, you and Rob, is the best part of my day. Yes, I'm lonely. Oh, Charlie, thank you so much, man. And it is the best part of my day, being able to get together with you guys in the online community and having us all talk about our favorite things in the world. For, thanks for being here, man. I appreciate that. All right, what's next? All right, this is a three-parter coming from Dwayne Jackson. Hello, John and family. With J.J. Abrams doing rebooted Superman and the new Batman, it got me thinking. When it comes to Superman, why does Superman underperform when it comes to Batman? Is Batman a big... Is Batman bigger than Superman? DC knows the bat is a cash cow. Let's see here. How does DC fix this problem? Or is Batman Trump Superman in popularity? Superman Returns was a flaming turd and Man of Steel, which I loved, but underperformed at the box office. Then we got the Christopher Nolan Dark Trilogy. It was awesome. John. I know you like wrestling. If Superman was a wrestler, WB is the company that's promoting and pushing him. Is it the actor or promoting lack of interest? What is it going to take for Superman to rise to Batman's level box office? Well, listen, I'll, I'll tell you right now. I, I actually thought Superman Returns was a really good movie. It just was a very bad comic book movie. You know, you can't have a comic book movie where the big thing that the hero fights is a plane falling out of the sky. That's his big fight. I'm going to catch this plane and lift it in the sky, or I'm going to lift this mountain in the air. It was a, I still contend that Superman returns was a good movie, but a bad comic book movie. I mean, that's kind of how I look at at any rate. And of course you guys know what I think of man of steel. It's the most underappreciated comic book film ever made. Um, I think what it comes down to, is it comes down, and I, I remember Rob and I had this discussion once, and maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but there is something about the Batman that transcends any other comic book character, I think, for a lot of people. And I don't know if it's you know the inner darkness that he has. Personally, I feel more like there is a sense of relatability with Batman. At the end of the day, Batman is not a god. Batman is just a guy. And like anybody, like kind of like they say in the one Nolan film, anyone can be Batman. I mean, that's not literally true, but theoretically speaking, anybody can be Batman. And I can't help but wonder, I mean, look, everything changed with Miller's The Dark Knight Returns. When the graphic novel The Dark Knight Returns came out, it completely changed. I almost want to say rehabilitated, but changed everybody's perception of Batman. We all looked and it fundamentally changed the way Batman was portrayed from that point on. It changed everything. 
Superman, for the most part, has gone unchanged over the years. And he's a brilliant character and has had great success. But compared to Batman, I mean, it's not about how you promote the character. I just think there is a, a relatability with Batman that people just find themselves a little bit more attached to the concept of Batman more than to the concept of the Superman. That doesn't mean they're both not great. You know me, I love Superman. It doesn't mean they're both not great, but I just think it's just the way it is. The Batman character fundamentally, I think, appeals to people a little bit more just from the nature of the character. And that's fine. Not every character has to be at that level. All they got to do, listen, as long as it comes down to this, winning cures everything. Nothing else matters. Make a good movie. You make a good movie that people enjoy, that solves everything. And so DC and Warner Brothers doesn't, they shouldn't at all be con convinced or um, they shouldn't at all be focused on how do we make Superman as popular as Batman? That's not, that shouldn't be their concern. Their concern should laser focus be how do we make this next Superman movie the best movie it can possibly be? And as long as they do that, and as long as they accomplish that, everything else will work out fine. Nothing else becomes a problem. So that's what they got to focus their attention on, Dwayne. Anyway, thanks for writing that in, man. Appreciate that. All right, what's next? RPG with DBJ says, sad to hear a vocal group of Superman fans prefer a black-suited agent of Darkseid laying waste to civilization rather than have him appear with a darker skin pigmentation. By the way, love your documentary. I mean, the two things are not connected. The, the two things aren't connected. But again, yeah, it is funny that people losing their minds. Oh my God, look, look at Superman in the all black suit. Oh wow, it's so amazing. That is not what the traditional Superman looks like at all. But Jad, there was this comic. I don't know, I get it, I get it. I know, believe me, I read probably read that before you were born. I understand about Superman when he came back and wearing all the black. I, I get that, believe me and I do. But that was not the traditional Superman. That's not what Superman's costume ever looked like, blah, blah, blah. So what's the problem with Superman maybe actually being black? Well, that's not the way he's been. Who the fuck cares? There is nothing about Superman that requires, if you know the character, and this is the problem, most people out there just don't know Superman, but if you know the character, you know that the pigmentation of his skin color is completely irrelevant to the character, other than visually it looks different. Oh, you're cool that the suit's black. Okay, that's visually different. That's so why is that okay? Which by the way, I think is fabulous, but why is that okay? But the skin pigmentation being a different color isn't okay. I'm sorry, but I have yet to hear one valid argument about why the color of Kal-El's skin, who by the way, is not Caucasian. He is an alien organism. He is not white, black, Asian, Chinese, Indian, anything. He is an alien organism whose skin pigmentation just happens to look a certain way, just like his costume looks a certain way. So they change the color of his costume. Yay! They change the color of his skin. Wait a minute. Fuck that. It, it look, again, if it did fundamentally alter the nature of the character, right? then I could be sympathetic to an argument being made, but it doesn't. And I've never heard one valid argument that actually raises the thing that changing the color of his skin to make Superman Asian or black or anything changes anything about the core essential elements of who and what the Superman is. It just doesn't. And since there is no reason, there is no valid reason why he has to be white, then there should logically be no objections to him being black. Now, again, like I said, 
I am more, when it comes to comic book material, I am also very traditionalist. I've always known Superman to be white. If I was making a Superman movie, I'd probably make him white, but not because he had to be. And we've got another filmmaker out there saying, maybe, by the way, we don't know this is what J.J. Abrams is doing. We just don't know yet. But maybe another filmmaker is thinking, you know what? I want to try this from a different angle. I want to say, what if this Kryptonian alien, what if the pigmentation of his skin is a different color? How does that affect us as an audience? How does that change the way we look at things? But And, and so I think that's a great idea. There have been so many iterations of Superman, and there will be different other iterations moving forward, too. Why not try this? But anyway, uh, that's a great example. RP Jerry's cool with the ch- totally changes his costume color, but not cool with changing the color of his skin. Anyway. All right. Anyway, what's next? Bojack says, hi, John. Edgar M. mentioned the AMC Ontario Mills Dolby is great, yes. and I agree. But for IMAX, check out the Edwards Theatre at the Ontario Mills. It has a true IMAX screen, like the one at Universal City and the Irvine Spectrum. Hope to see God... Hope to see Kong vs. Godzilla. Yeah, I, I would love to. And I've never been to that theater. I, I, I don't know that I've been in the Ontario uh, Mills, although I'm very familiar with the one at Ontario Mills. But I've never been in that one. Uh, the one in that area that I, when I have gone to movies out in that area, it's normally been to the one at Victoria Gardens. Otherwise, when I'm out here in Riverside, I go to uh, the AMC Tyler, Tyler Galleria. And then when I'm in Burbank, my I like going to the AMC Burbank 16. But uh, yes, I am going to go to a movie theater, though. Once theaters open. If they're open around where I live and they're not right now uh, to go see Godzilla vs. Kong, if they're not, then I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to drive up to Vegas. I'm going to go watch it in Vegas. Yes, I will make the drive just to see that movie. I will. All right. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the uh, recommendation there, Bojacks. All right. What's next? So excited to get back to the theaters, by the way. Me too. I can like like when people ask questions like that, I start smelling the popcorn and like thinking of the seats. Oh, I don't know. The memories are coming back. The memories are coming back. (laughs) All right. The truth says, hello, John. Thank you for all the incredible entertainment you give us. Some thoughts on WandaVision. By showing us Evan P playing the exact same character from X-Men and talking about this Skywalker level cameo by some unknown actor, do you not think it's more them? than us who create these expectations just to subvert our expectations for the sake of it and joke with us feels a bit like a dick move it's like the end of the mandalorian would have a doctor wheat farts showing up because he could hear the gorg signal in the baby monitor like who would want to see that reminds me a bit of the last jedi trying to surprise us just for the hell of it but gives us something that is only worse and actually stupid just a bad idea if you ask me no i i still contend the evan peters casting was brilliant i thought it was was absolutely brilliant i thought it was fantastic now look again is it more their fault than ours no it is still completely our fault listen paul bettany in some random interview ages ago made a comment about you know made a little joke comment again we talked about earlier in the show i I don't think you really understand the repercussions of what doing that and how high strung we are as fans having evan peters showing up like there was going to be a fake pietro showing up and announcing i am your brother pietro i thought that was clearly stunt casting but brilliant and absolutely brilliant and if we had paid attention we knew that Kevin Feige said, I'm not bringing any X-Men or mutants into it right now. Then we would have totally known. Okay, so there's something up with this character. Brilliant casting. And listen, again, I had many theories wrong about WandaVision. I had many theories wrong. But I said from day one, 
when he showed up at Wanda's door, the very next, the spoiler review, the next day I said, that's not the Fox X-Men Quicksilver. Clearly it's not. It's obviously not him. I mean, is it possible? Sure, because it's Kevin Feige. He could pull a fast one, yeah. but this is clearly not the Fox X-Men Quicksilver. This is cool, quick, uh, uh, cool uh, shock casting, if you will, gimmick casting. <laughs> Just to be a diversion, just to be a distraction, just to be a misdirect and give us something to talk about. And I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I thought that the day he showed up, even though I knew it wasn't the real Quicksilver, I kept telling everybody it wasn't the real Quicksilver. And it turns out it's not. Everybody got so invested in the idea that it might be the real Quicksilver, they never considered the possibilities that maybe I was right. That maybe it wasn't. And it wasn't. But it was I one of those moves. It was one of those moves that's like, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to do? Where are you going with this? <laughs> this is so random. But it made me think of if there was an episode of Parks and Rec and a new manager came to the office and they were like, you guys, we have a new manager. And it was Steve Carell. Oh, my God. But his name was Scott Brown or something yeah. instead of Michael Scott. It's kind of like that kind of. Well, oh my gosh, you're doing a crossover. Are you doing a crossover? Are you finally doing The Office and Parks and Rec? No, he's just another kind of manager. And it's like, okay, fine. I still, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was <laughs> absolutely fantastic. Anyway, but that's just my opinion. That's just my opinion. All right, what's next? Jada Jada S says, I agree with you and John on if WB goes with a black Superman. As long as the story is there, it will be great. And X is I am legend in the comics, in the comics, Robert Neville is white, but Will Smith black did a great job playing him in the movie adaptation because the color of Neville's skin was completely irrelevant to the character or the story at hand. And it worked perfectly well. Nick Fury went from white to black. And because the color of Nick Fury's skin was completely irrelevant to who the character was it now, now, now you can't even you can't even imagine Nick Fury being white today. You can't even imagine it, because and that's how seamless the transition was because it was never a part. The color of his skin was never a part of the identity of the character. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't an issue. It wasn't the problem. Yeah. So I, I mean, and now if they ever decide to make Nick Fury white again, guess what? Oh. Nobody should have a problem with that either because it's not important to the color of his skin. So that's why, you know, when Michael Clark Duncan played Kingpin. God, I miss Michael Clark Duncan. But when he played Kingpin, he was fabulous. Yes, that's not the way Kingpin was projected, but the color of Kingpin's skin was never the issue. That's why when, oh, I'm forgetting the name of the actress who played Ancient One in, in Doctor Strange 2, the great- and Tilda fabulous, Swinton. Tilda Swinton, thank you. When Tilda Swinton was cast to play Ancient One, guess what? When you understand what the nature of the, the Ancient One was and how it's going to play a role in this, in this, in this movie- their ethnicity wasn't really an issue. So I was perfectly fine for that. Everybody gets mad at me all the time when it's any sort of this. And they say, John, what do you think about this issue of this? They changed this gender of this character. They changed the ethnicity of this character. They changed the color of this character. They always get mad at me when I say the same words. I don't care. I don't care. I really don't. As long as you're not messing with the core fabric of who and what the character is, what really makes that character who that character is, then I don't care. Just make a good movie. Go. The great Michael B. Jordan is a fabulous actor as Johnny Storm. Go for it. As long as it fits in with the story, do it. 
But John, uh, the Fantastic Four, uh, Johnny Storm, or uh, you know, uh, Johnny and Sue Storm were were actually genetic brother and sister. And this, they made them adoptive. How did that change the relationship? It didn't change the relationship at all. They were still siblings. Yep. Didn't matter. So anyway. So yeah, I, I agree. That example of the Robert Neville situation there, Jada, that was a great example. Well well stated. Well stated. Okay, what's next? Suthia says, so far, all of the MCU heroes have had some suit wardrobe changes since they first appeared. All but Vision. His design has been unchanged. That is, until White Vision showed up. The Vision has a different design than the old Vision, assuming he still has the ability to change his appearance. I'm curious to see if and when White Vision might change his appearance once again. Vision is my favorite MCU character, and I personally would love an updated look for him. Thoughts? Well, I mean, White Vision is pretty much a, as updated of a look as That's you can get. That's actually pretty funny, yeah. And that I mean, that that he looked... If you had told me... Because I've seen pictures of the White Vision, I've read him in the comics and everything, so I've seen images of him. But if you told me they're going to do that thing, I didn't. I don't think that would have looked so good. He looked pretty striking. It was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was he pretty looked, cool. He looked striking. He looked but I wonder, powerful. will he have red hair when he turns into the flesh version? Because you know how Vision is Paul Bettany, and yep. will he have red hair? Will he have frosted tips? I don't well, know. We don't even know if he does have the ability to do that now. Like he doesn't have the mind oh, stone. Oh yeah, that's true. Right? So, and, I don't know, and I don't know how much the mind stone was was part of that. You know. So uh, I I don't know. But listen, I am very curious about this. He, he is a new character. This is a new character uh, who will go by the name of Vision. He'll have Vision's memories, but he is essentially a new character. It'll be very, very interesting to see how they evolve this guy moving yeah, forward. Yeah, I'm but interested. I think it's exciting. Again, mm. again, Marvel fake death universe and all, but I think it's exciting, this new character. All right, what's next? Tony Rodriguez says, next month is the last season of Kim's Convenience. Yeah. The next season is last. Confirmed by Simu Lee. Simu Lu. Simu Lu. I was like, that's not his that's name. That's not how you spell his name. Yeah. <laughs> on Twitter. I'm disappointed. What you say, John, bring on the filthy and have a better day. Yeah, I, we talked about this. This was one of my main topics on the so uh, John Campus show earlier today. It's it's bullshit. It's not just upset. upset. It's bullshit. I am really, I really disagree with the decision of the show creators here. Um, this isn't a, a stereotypical situation where the network didn't really cancel it, whatever. It was the show creators decided that after they finished shooting season five, when season six was already greenlit, the actors were already planning on doing season six because it was greenlit. All the crew and everything thought they had their jobs lined up, blah, blah, blah. The fans were expecting a season six because we were told we were getting six seasons. And then here we are halfway through season five. And all of a sudden they're saying, by the way, these next couple of episodes are the last ones. It's a, it's a dick move by the creators. It's a dick move by them. And I understand CBC's position, the CBC, the Canadian network that makes the show. They're like, we, since this guy, these creators made this show based on their own actual experiences as young immigrant families coming into Canada and, and doing this yeah, stuff. Yeah, when it's so personal like they that. Just, CBC said, I, we don't think that we can make this show to the same level and heart without these guys. And they're leaving. So we're pulling the plug on the show. I don't blame them. I blame the show creators. And normally I'm like, hey, show creators... You know, you've you've done this and this, but the time to say that season five was going to be your last go at it was at the end of season four. 
that the time to say it now is not once you is not to tell the company after you're done season five and you've already all planned to do season six. It's not to tell the audience when there's only a few episodes left. Oh, by the way, this is the end. It's a bad move. I'm heartbroken over it. I love this show. Uh, I've had other shows I love get canceled. It's like, oh, well, but this I don't like the way this is being done. And uh, I, I hope Netflix or somebody will pick up this show and say, we will find the right showrunners to come in here and take this home with another season. Here's hope. And yeah. Simu Liu was obviously very passionately. He was, he was upset. You could so tell. So upset. Yeah. So upset. And I felt for him. And I'm really upset because I started watching this. I think when the second season came out is when I was like, oh, look at this show. And that was like, I love this show. I love these characters. I love learning about other cultures and their experiences. And, you know, in Canada, I, I thought that, you know, immigration outside of the U.S. And I'm like, I love learning about this perspective. I fell in love with Appa and Amma. I fell in love with them. Okay, see you. Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? But like, I heard it was something like they had other things to get onto. What is so urgent that you can't finish out the season and and do justice to these characters because the father son relationship? I really wanted to see get a resolve to yeah. that, and I'm I'm just um, I'm really uh, from a fan point of view. I'm very upset, and I feel like it's a it's a kind of strong word. I feel like it's disrespectful. I agree. Honestly, I agree, but. Uh, in this very unique circumstance, I feel like it's disrespectful to the cast and crew that have been so faithful to the show, to the network that has supported this show, and John's to the about fans to blow who have followed this show. What's that? He's about to blow up. Oh, yeah. Why would he's, you do this? He's about to be the he's star of an MCU thing, and now up. you pull the plug on this? I mean, just anyway. I don't. Sorry. I'm going to get over my butt hurtness, and uh, we'll just move on here. All right. What's text? Mm-mm-mm. Antithesis says, hi, John. Let me make this a little bigger. Hold on, guys. Hi, John. I guess it has to be, I guess it has to be asked in a post-traditionalist world, if Superman can technically be any skin pigmentation, why not have him explore his sexual preferences across a spectrum of possibilities? I mean, I think that's great for a great number of characters, but for Superman, I don't think so, because to me, one of the core uh, the DNA things about the story of Superman is also the story of Clark and Lois. I mean, that's that's just a core thing to say. Again, something that his skin color make, has no implications on whatsoever. But I believe that the... I mean, the, the relationship with Lois is as core to the Superman character as his ability to fly. And so that's why... There would be other characters that you could do that, but not the Superman character. To me, that is a core central DNA item to him that I think you can't just change. I don't think you can make it, you know, uh, Lou and Clark, for, for example. I don't know. That relationship of Lois and Clark is so core to the DNA character. There are a lot of other characters you can explore that with, but I don't think not with Superman. But that's just because of my take on the essentialness of that part of the story. But that's just me. All right, what's next? Thanos says, have you seen Cherry? I have not yet, but the reviews are not looking good. I really wanted this to do good for the Russo brothers. I hope I still like it despite the reviews. Yeah, no, I have not watched it. I was supposed to watch it the other day, but something else came up and I, I couldn't watch it. Uh, I will watch it soon. Um, I was also disappointed to hear the reviews. I mean, I talked to a few people I know who watch it and really didn't like it. And I'm a little bit nervous because I have not been a big fan of anything the Russos have done since Endgame. Yeah, I liked I mean, Extraction. I mean, 21, I didn't like Extraction either. Oh, you I didn't? Thought, I thought the I thought action was, was really fantastic. Great. 
I thought yeah. the acting was stiff. I thought the story was very one-dimensional and made no logical sense. <laughs> I thought it, I mean, I thought it was a badly made movie that had some fantastic action. The action was like aces. Um, I thought 21 Bridges was terrible. Uh, the oh, one yeah, with Chadwick Boseman. Now, they oh, didn't yeah. direct it, but it was their studio. They were the ultimate shepherds of that mm. movie. It was the Agbo Studios, which is their new thing. Um, so, and I love these guys. I love the yeah. Russo brothers. I, they, I, I've had them in my studio on two different occasions. They've yeah. come in. They are like really wonderful guys. And you think these guys who directed the biggest movies of all time, yeah. you think they'd have these huge heads. They don't. They're super down to earth. I love that. They're very gracious. Um, they're just wonderful, wonderful guys. And I hope for big success, but yeah, I haven't watched Terry yet. I'm, I'm hoping I like it more than reviews too. All right. What's next? Akin Cajun says, hi, John, I've got two plot holes. I can't rectify in WandaVision one. If Agatha could sense, why didn't Dr. Strange sense it and come to at least investigate such a powerful use of magic? Mm. Okay. First of all, let me address that. First of mm. all, that is not a plot hole. That is not a plot hole. And this is one of the things that drives me crazy about shared cinematic and everybody's obsession with shared cinematic universe. Because mm. if you're in DC, when there's any problem, why didn't they get Superman? <laughs> it can be a Flash movie, it can be a Green Lantern movie, it could be a Wonder Woman movie. You needed movie, a fast not, person. Why did you put why did, they, why did they just get Superman? Superman. Yeah. Superman could hear what's going on from the outside of the world. Why, 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 why did <laughs> Superman show up? That's one of the problems with shared, with everybody's complete obsession that everything has to be shared cinematic universe. Yeah. It is not a plot hole for somebody else's story to go, why didn't that other character come? Because it's not their story. And there could be a million different reasons about why Doctor Strange was predisposed was involved in other things yeah he sent some powerful thing of magic well it's that's gonna have to wait i'm dealing with this right now whatever but it drives me crazy i gotta admit when fans go why didn't superman show up why didn't thor come down to see you couldn't somebody have seen from space that there was this big red hex why didn't this superhero come and take it i'd be like uh come can we leak this is the problem sometimes i love shared cinematic universe but this is part of the problem with it the fan base is constantly going why didn't this character come why didn't this character because it wasn't their show this was wandavision but anyway <laughs> sorry sorry let's keep going what did ken go on to say after that two did wanda kill agent franklin or did she just send him elsewhere i'm telling you akin that is one of the big questions i've had too and as a matter of fact, going into the finale, I even listed that we did our top 10 questions that I had going into the finale. And for me, one of them was absolutely Franklin, yes. Agent Franklin, because maybe it's nothing. If it turns out he she just incorporated him into the fantasy, fine. But they never showed us that. Because the other option is if she wiped him out, because she looked pretty damn serious. Murder. When she That's found the side. beekeeper in the street. She's like, no. She's like, no. Did she disintegrate him? They, they never told us. Because if she did, man, that changes our perception of Wanda. And it would have been so easy to bring him back. You could have, like the scene where the dog dies, he could have been doing his beekeeper thing in a tree, taking down a hive. It would have been very easy to explain that. That's why the absence of the explanation is so suspect. Yeah, it is very suspect. And S.W.O.R.D. never mentioned him again. Nope. Just when, when Monica got thrown out, you just hear Hayward. We have our first first-hand account of what's going on inside. Okay. Nope. It's like, hey, uh, Monica, just curious. Did you happen to see Agent Franklin walking around anywhere? Just, I guess he's, we'll just nickname him Expendable Joe. Just address it. I mean, just, <laughs> yeah, they just, this agent goes in there and just never mention him again. Okay. Anyway, what's next? 
This is coming from War Doctor 10. Hi, John and crew. So apparently HBO Max made an oopsie. So a bunch of people went to turn on Tom and Jerry and got the first hour and a half of the Snyder Cut. Thoughts? Yeah. I mean, listen, it, it happened. I did not know this. Yeah, and I mean, why did I not watch Tom and Jerry that here's the, well, I'm totally it. Actually, Rob and I were talking about this <laughs> earlier today. I'm totally glad I didn't because I think people just would have got frustrated if they got like an hour into, into it and all of a sudden... WB shut down the stream because I think that would have been frustrating for most people. Hey, listen, this happens. All it takes is somebody to put in the wrong code in the wrong cell Mm. in a spreadsheet for the wrong thing to broadcast on a certain thing. I remember last year, two years, a couple of years ago, whenever the last, um, uh, actually it was more than two years ago, but when the last uh, 50 shades of gray came out, I remember there was a story that this theater was supposed to be showing this other movie. So fans went in to sit down and the movie starts up and it was the new 50 shades of gray. And that was, I think the movie they're supposed to see was like PG and 50 shades of gray. Oh God. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) But it's it's just, it is just a, it's, it's a, it's a mishap. It, It happens. We, as automated as many things are, it is still susceptible to human input and mistakes happen. You think they got fired? Probably. Um, me and my mom have a saying whenever we see like a continuity issue in a movie and we're like, that banana was not on that table. Somebody's fired. Yep. And we're all, she's always like, Scripture somebody's fired. Consistency. Somebody's fired. Person is going to be gone. But I mean, it, it, they caught it. They corrected it. There's not much more to say other than that. It happens. Did and, anyone uh, give their thoughts or did anyone give a review of the first oh, I, I don't hour? Know. I haven't, I haven't did, even I heard anything go, yeah, about. I, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't want to hear what anybody's thought of it at this point. Yeah. I the think. unfinished, unfinished, unfinished project. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. It happened. Tech issue. It that happens. Sucks. It's unfortunate, but it does. All right. What's next? Great. Grab Thar's Hammer says, seeing Randall Park in WandaVision. Love that Galaxy Quest reference, by the way. Love that. Anyway, so go ahead. Reminded me I had never seen Fresh Off the Boat, which is now streaming for us on Disney Plus Star. My wife and I, being of Asian backgrounds, find we identify with the characters uncomfortably close, and we love it. I'll tell you what, my wife Anne and her friend Corey, they got me into watching Fresh Off the Boat. Yeah. Um, The single funniest moment, I'm not saying it's the funniest show I've ever seen, but the single funniest moment uh-huh. maybe in any sitcom that had me laughing irrepressibly for weeks. And it was, I cannot do it justice trying to imitate it. But um, for those of you who don't know, don't know, Anne, Anne is Filipino. She's Asian background. So that, that's part of the reason why she was loved watching fresh off the boat. Apparently a lot of the, even the different types of Asian, they're very, they're very similar Asian experience. So Anne would watch the show and like laugh hilariously. But so Randall Park, his character, he's the dad and he runs like this steak restaurant and uh, like not a fancy steak restaurant, like a saloon kind of restaurant. And his one employee comes up to him and says, you know, basically says, you know, I was wondering if I could, uh, I'd like to plan taking vacation. I'd like to take vacation next week. And Randall Park, I think the character's name was Phil. Randall Park says, oh, Phil, work is a vacation <laughs> from poverty. And I remember, Randall, you got to picture Randall Park <laughs> That's saying that. That's a good line. Work is a vacation from poverty. I, it caught me so off guard. And I, I like laughed that. so hard for so long. 
It was, it's a really good Sounds show. Sounds like something my dad would say. Oh my God. It's so, it's a really funny, good show. And it's, it's where I can't remember the girl's name. Who was Constance the star. Wu. Constance Wu, who apparently is kind of a piece of work in real life. But at any rate, um, she's great in the show. And then she was in um, Crazy Rich Asians. Yes. She, I thought she was really good in that, as a matter of fact. But yeah, Fresh Off the Boat is funny. Do you ever watch Fresh Off the Boat? I've seen a few episodes. It's funny. It's really funny. It's really, really funny. It's a good, good show. Again, anyway. I love storytelling for underrepresented groups. I love, yeah. you know, putting that out there. And yeah, that's hilarious. I like it. All right, what's next? GQ says, with the news that J.J. Abrams will reboot and recast Superman, over under 10%, K. Feige will hire Henry Cav- Cavill for Captain Britain? And if it happens, how would you react to it? I, I don't Ooh. I generally don't care about X actor and X role. All I care about is if you're doing a role, are you getting a, a talented actor? Now Henry Cavill is clearly an actor I'm very big on. I, I I've got Henry Cavill here, a big tall standing uh standee of Superman of Cal L in here keeping watch over the studio. I, I, I'm obviously a big fan of Henry Cavill. So if they were to cast Henry Cavill in anything, I get excited about that. I don't that care whether it's cool. MCU or if it's James Bond or if it's the the revamp of Fresh Off the Boat. I don't care. If you're <laughs> casting Henry Cavill, I'm on board. Um, do I think they'll actually get him to be Captain Britain? I I don't know. I'll go under 10% on that because there's probably a thousand actors they will look at to do a role like that if they ever get around to doing that. So I'll go under 10%, but it's as possible as anything else. But again, I'll react the same while I'll find out about Henry Cavill appearing in anything. Whether it's Henry Cavill, whether it's a Chiwetel Ejiofor, whether it's a Leonardo DiCaprio. When I hear these guys get cast in something, I get excited. And I would certainly be excited if if he did get cast in something like that. All right, what's next? This is coming from David B. One Star Trek DS9 episode had the DS9 character go back in time and digitally insert in scenes yep, for the, the Trouble original with Tribbles episode, yep. series episode Trouble with Tribbles. What would you think if the MCU showed old scenes with the mutants in the background doing things? Nah, been there, done that. I Like I said, DS9 did. By the way, that was really well done because you got to remember the way in modern era the Klingons look now is very different from how Klingons looked in the original series because they didn't have that type of ability to do that type of makeup and everything, right? So the Klingons just look like very different, like weird shaped eyebrows, darker skin. Like they just look different, right? They did not look like Klingons the way we understand them now. And one of the greatest moments of that episode, as they're like digitally inserted into the old Trouble with Tribbles episode, is as they see the Klingons from that era, like some of the crew members of DS9 look at Worf, who's Klingon, and they look at Worf and it's like, how come they look? And Worf says, we do not like to talk about it. And that's it. <laughs> I'm like, that is brilliant. Leave it alone. We do not discuss it. It's like, why did they look so different then than the way they do now? Like, we don't discuss it. It was such a good thing. Yeah, I, I think it would be very cheap. I think it would be very, very cheap. They're, they're not going to, they're never going to reference the old X-Men movies. Those are dead. Those are dead. Kevin Feige's not going to go back to those. He likes his own creation. He likes to play in his own playground. He doesn't like to, he doesn't like other people's sloppy seconds. So I don't think they're going to do that. And I would personally, David, think it would probably be a pretty cheap gimmick, especially considering Star Trek already did it. So yeah, probably not for me. But you never know. If anybody can find a way to make it fun and entertaining, it'll be Kevin Feige. All right, what's next? 
Qui-Gon Gin and Tonic says, Here in the UK, cable is still very much top dog. The majority of sports are shown via cable. Sky, biggest cable provider, and has exclusive rights to HBO via Sky Atlantic, offered me Netflix Ultra HD for €5 or $7 a month when I wanted to upgrade my cable. Let me see if there's another. Oh, here we go. I found it. My cable package. I think in the future, Sky will figure out a deal to bring HBO Max into Sky subscription at a cheaper price. Sky Movies has better and more recent films than any one streaming service. Sky is the go-to provider for all things football. Ah, soccer that's the third one. Yeah. Soccer provided. For that reason, I think streaming services like HBO Max will work out deals to bundle their, their services into Sky at a cheaper monthly price for the consumer. I think streaming services will have different contracts in international markets. Sky is too strong and convenient here for the consumer. Great broadband too. Do you see services like HBO Max adapt their pricing strategies for international markets where cable has the market share and their service isn't available yet. Thanks. That's really, first of all, Qui-Gon, that's a really interesting thing to bring up because we were, you know, we've been talking on the show recently about can we see with the climbing costs and, and I mean, hey, there's great content now on the streaming services, right? So costs are, are high. Uh, I mean, relatively speaking, still great value for the dollar. And about could we see in the future like package deals where like, hey, you can get Peacock and Showtime and whatever for 70% of what it would normally get you to get all three, like a, a combining packages things. And could that ever happen? The idea now cable may still be king in foreign markets, but that's going to change. That will change. In the meantime, could something as big and powerful as Sky, which is, if I'm not wrong, isn't that owned by Comcast now? I think Comcast owns Sky now. Anyway, in the meantime, can somebody as big and powerful as Sky Network, can they work out deals to bring in certain things? Hey, if they can make it financially advantageous to places like HBO Max or Paramount Plus or whatever, then yeah, as long as they have that kind of pull. Now, I don't live in the UK, so I don't fully grasp or understand what kind of pull and influence that they have. But if they do have that kind of pull and influence and they can make something like that work and it's advantageous for them and advantageous for the individual streaming providers... Yeah, I could see them a short-term deal deal being worked over. Again, I think even though in the UK and other markets where cable is still king, it's it's not long for this world. Give it another five years, it'll probably be gone. But a short-term deal that something like that happened, I could see that. I think that would be really beneficial if they can make it work out, Qui-Gon. Excellent thing to bring up, and, and I hope something like that can work out in your area. All right, what's next? John F. says, Hi, John and Rob. Love the show and loved your documentary. Thank you, John. I was wondering what your thoughts and anticipation were for Stephen S. D. Knight's upcoming Jupiter's Legacy. Personally, I've never heard of the property, but I'm intrigued. I'm exclusively excited about it because of Stephen S. D. Knight. Uh, Stephen S. D. Knight, who, of course, did Spartacus, which is in my top three favorite television shows of all time. Of course, our very own Aaron Cummings worked very closely with Stephen D. Knight for a number of years. So that's great. He also then did the first season of Daredevil, which was a tremendous success. And he was fabulous at doing that. And now he's doing this Jupiter's Legacy with a really intriguing cast and all that kind of stuff. I am with you. I'm not all that familiar with their source material what it, or what the background of it is. It's, it's superhero-based stuff. And it's Steven Estonite. That right there, him being in charge of it, 
That keeps me intrigued. That makes me kind of excited for it. So I'm very curious, John, to see how that whole thing is going to turn out. All right, let's do one more and then we will call it a day. What's the last one we're going to take today? All right, this is coming from Hot Toys Are Cool. They say, hey, John and crew, big fan. I watch every day. Grateful to have an awesome platform to talk about films with fellow movie lovers. Rob, if you're there, I've gone and pre-ordered my first Hot Toys, Scarlet Witch and Vision from the show. Sculpts look amazing. I didn't even know they've came up with models for... Uh, that for for uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch from the sh- based on the show. Oh man, please tell me she's wearing her Scarlet Witch outfit because that would be badass. Yeah, the the problem with Hot Toys because they're so beautiful and they look so great. The problem is they are so beautiful and look so great. And so when you get one and it's on your shelf and you realize, man, that looks awesome. Sure would be nice to have another one beside it. And then you drop another $300. And then before you know it, like I had no hot toys. Mm -hmm. Then I got my first one within like four months. I had five or five. Oh, and it's like, I got to stop because expensive habits pops 10, $12. (laughs) But, uh, that's the only, and these are the ones that you're, um, that you can sell and like really make a lot of money. Oh yeah. If you know how to work that situation. My brother-in-law Ray, he, he does that like crazy. I mean, he, he has, my brother-in-law Ray doesn't even sleep in his room because it's all filled with collectible toys because his basic side gig is buying these toys, putting them in storage in his room for like a year and then year, two years, three years later, Oh, these things are hot now. Okay, now I'll sell it. And that's kind of what his side gig is. And he does really good at it too. But that's really cool. He can do that well. I can't. But good on you, man, for getting your first hot toy. You're gonna love it. Just you're immediately gonna want to buy another one. Just be (laughs) just just tell somebody to help keep an eye on you. (laughs) Otherwise, pretty soon you're spending your rent money on it. So just be careful. All right, guys, listen, there are still other questions to come from uh, Boris and Word777. Do not worry. When we do the John Campus show, we're getting close to the end here. When we do the John Campus show tomorrow, we will start off with those questions and we will get all caught up. Guys, that'll do it. For this installment of the uh, companion videos, thank you so much for being here. And special thank you to all you guys who sent in those live questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you support this channel when you do. And all of us here involved with the show, thank you guys very, very much for that support. And obviously, thank you to Kimberly Kern for being here. Kimberly, where can people follow you and your adventures online? Awesome, as always. Um, I'm on Instagram. It's at wasgoodkimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y. And guys, of course, you can follow me on Instagram and all the other social media channels, simply at John Campia. All right, guys, that'll do it for me. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.